Welcome to the Agents of Game podcast. We're agents, and we game. I'm Dave Martin, and joining me are Dan. Hello. Dan, say something. As well, Matt. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And Sean. Hey! Do you have a rendition of I Feel Pretty for us today, Sean? Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel pretty, oh, so pretty, and witty, and wise. Oh, that's 10, the song. points to you. <laughs> I was wondering uh, what song you're talking about. <laughs> the West Side Story or something like that, right? Uh, Unfortunately, South Adam Pacific, Sandler I think. did it better. I think that's South Pacific. That's South Pacific? All right. I, was, I thought it was um, West Side Story, too. I'm falling down on my musical theater here. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm I think gonna... you're right, and Dave might be wrong. Uh, I think there's a different pretty song in West Side Story. I feel pretty, West Side Story. Google to the to the rescue. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. It's uh, I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. That's the one I was thinking. Ah, uh, there you go. I don't know that song. I don't think I could sing that for you. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to the inaugural Agents of Game podcast, and uh, apparently today is the International Podcast Day, which is an absolutely meaningless holiday. But uh, I'm going to take that as a good omen that we're starting today. Good day to start, yeah. Yeah. So first, uh, before we get too far, we'll have a word from our sponsor, the Umbrella Corporation. If you're a healthy non-smoker, male or female, ages 18 to 49, we need you to help develop the medicines of the future at Umbrella Corporation. Our research subjects are the real heroes. Why not be one of them? With your help, we can change the world. Probably for the better. Okay. Uh, do, you suppose, do you suppose the umbrella people just started out like, uh, just like the the Volkswagen people did? You know, they're just moving <laughs> along. They made made one one bad choice. They're like, well, we'll cheat on cars, and then you know, six months later, you're making zombie apocalypses. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that big of a leap, and the <laughs> right. zombie apocalypse is pretty sweet. This alters just a little bit of their DNA. It's all yeah. good. We'll just cover that up here. And we got several excellent movies out of it, too. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if several is the right word there. <laughs> Ex- excellent might not be the right word either. But <laughs> whole sentence might need revamped. But. Anything with Mila and uh, Ali Larder together is good in my book. <laughs> have we'll to just have to... More zombie apocalypse is just to get those two together. <laughs> Okay, so as we are primarily focused on gaming, we're going to talk a little bit about where people got their start on gaming. And Dan, as you are incredibly old, and uh, I'm going to start with you first. Yes. Um, <laughs> man, I think it was like, what, 60 years ago I started gaming or so, right? Roughly? 50, maybe? <laughs> no, <about> um... <laughs> I got my start. Uh, my first games I actually played were pretty hardcore, come to think of it, because I probably couldn't play them today if I tried. But uh, is Met- the original Metroid and the original Ninja Gaiden. Um, that's where I got my start gaming. But then I kind of took a break for quite a while and didn't jump back into gaming until... I mean, I gamed off and on and stuff, but I didn't jump back in until Halo. And that's how I met all you guys, actually, was from Halo Knights. But... Um, oh, Big gap. Ninja Gaiden was always really, really cool. I could never get into Metroid. It's just that whole idea of it's kind of you know really Metroid was kind of one of those first sandbox-ish games as much yeah. as it could be on an eight-bit machine. 
you yep. could just kind of wander everywhere. And I guess maybe my little kid brain didn't understand that. And I just kind of got, it wasn't focused enough for me. Yeah, I didn't, it took me a little bit when I, I remember playing actually and realizing there's this part where you can go up and I can picture it in my head right now. And there's a part where I could see that you could go and I was like, I can't get there. I don't know what to do. And it wasn't until a long time later that I was playing again and I, and I had the power, you know, and I was like, that's what you're supposed to do. And then I, the, the rest of the game clicked for me because I realized that's what they wanted you to do was find the power, just get, you know, to keep progressing. But I and still never beat it, though. I, I remember Mother Brain killed me every time. I never beat Metroid. Oh, and Metroid, that was one of my favorite and least favorite things about the game was how open it was. Because on the one hand, if you could find those power-ups hidden behind the walls where you had to bomb through or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that was really sweet to get those and to then to you know be able to use those abilities. But on the other hand, I would just find myself running in circles and f- seeing the same room seven times and like... Yep. I know I've seen this before. I have no idea where I'm supposed to go now. Yeah. Uh, I did eventually beat that, but I'm sure I probably had help from people who had beaten it before because I am not the map master that you are. Yeah, and I can't even, I can't remember for sure if they had code saves or you had to start from scratch every time you turned off the It had machine. a password feature and it changed every time you died. Oh, okay. But you started okay. in the same place every time. Gotcha. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden, I remember leaving on, like, overnight so that when we slept, we wouldn't have to reset. But, again, I can't remember if they had code code saves or I don't think they had saves at that time. But, yeah, that's where I got my start, that hardcore stuff. And I, yeah. I honestly, I can't do it anymore. I tried doing some of the games in the retro pack for Rare Retro, and half of them, I couldn't even do the first level. I mean, it was just ridiculous how hard they were back then. <laughs> Uh, well, it's Sean... funny you should mention that. I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, uh, my son has an orthodontist that he goes to, and they have an old Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in it. Mm-hmm. I'm the same thing with you, Dan. I know I beat that game, and I had all the secrets and everything <laughs> memorized. Now I can't even get past the second world. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, we're getting old. Plus, we think, and uh, the problem with me when I was playing in the ret- Rare Retro Pack was my mind thinks 3D now. It doesn't think 2D. And so the controls are weird. Like, the Jetpack game, I just couldn't control it. Like, it was just, yeah. Totally different. But, of course, we wouldn't have what we have today without those. So, well, uh, Sean, where did you get your start? Uh, so, you know, I was, uh, I was a little, little kid. And I was, I started a little bit before the consoles. My dad brought home an IBM PC Junior and set that up. And we started getting games and things like that. Uh, and the first games, I, the first game I remember playing, I remembered hanging out with him and playing the first, first King's Quest. Um, oh. A little tiny, you know, gigantic, chunky um, pixels. Moving around the screen, everything's all your actions are text based, so you have to get really picky. And they're they're hotkey based games. You have to type in, you know, pick up the bucket. So it had to have pick up and bucket at least in the sentence. And from a design standpoint, it was really cool because there was a lot of freedom in a game like that, and there was a lot of chance to learn because you're typing and you're spelling and you're doing things yeah. like that. But there's this huge sandbox world that you can go adventure in, and the entire thing was open. And it was this cool magic world, and 
you could really do whatever you want uh, to beat it you know you eventually had to do things in the right order but at the same time you could walk almost right up to the end of that without having you know without being prepared and you could there were you know you could find a beanstalk and there's giants and dragons and it just completely you know that was the game that opened up me to this this are welcome to be into this huge magical world of games and there it was this gateway into this new realm of magic and adventure and just and wonder really and it, it was from that moment moment on i was i was sold on games it's the reason that i got into computers it's the reason that i'm a software engineer now it's the reason that you know i went to school to design and develop games it's it is why I'm where I am today, and it's the reason why I'm sitting here, you know, doing this podcast with you guys. Is that was the the jumping off point? You know, from there it was it was other things like we had a a Texas Instruments console. Um, you know, we we had the first we have a had the Sega Master System, which is still sitting in my basement. Um, I had the original one of those before the Genesis. It was the Master System. No one had it. I was the loseriest kid on the block because I had that <laughs> system. Everybody at that age, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but everybody traded games. You know, You're like, I um, have this one, but I finished it. I'll trade it with you. I couldn't trade with anybody because they had this stupid system that nobody had. <laughs> but now I love it because it's got, you know, California um, California Dreams or California Adventure. Like, you could play Happy Sack. You could surf. Um, you skateboarded, roller skated, all these different cool little sport games. I played that um, game. I remember it. Yeah, yeah, I think I did too. That was a fun game. And uh, yeah, so I, I always hated that my parents got me that. That was a gift for getting like some rank in Cub Scouts or something like that. And I loved it. It was fun to play with, but I hated it because I was the only kid that had that. Well, it's kind of a blessing and a curse to be the only kid, though, because I remember all my friends, except for one, had a Nintendo, and that one had the Sega Master System, and so a lot of yeah, we did trade games, we did share, but he was the only one who had the Sega Master System, and so there were some games like there's this old Ghostbuster game and stuff like that we'd go to play at his house. Um, because, you know, that wasn't on the Nintendo, and so being the one kid that had it sometimes actually worked out well for some people, at least. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, so yeah, that that's really where I got my start. Um, that's kind of where the the love and interest of games and the the entire culture came from. Very nice. And Matt, how about you? Um, I think the first games that I ever played were on um this game system called Tommy. I think. And uh, after that, we moved on to the Commodore 64, and I used to play games on that. And then finally, we had this magical box called the NES, (laughs) and I played Super Mario Brothers, and I played Legend of Zelda, and I lived, breathed, slept, and ate Legend of Zelda when I was a kid. Um, It was just amazing to me that you could actually go and live in this other world with all these amazing monsters and spells and cool items and stuff like that and i have been a gamer ever since and you could save your game (laughs) yes exactly you could save your game 
Um, oh man, did you, do you guys remember? Did you have to like defend game game save slots where your friends would come over and they'd want to start a game, but you already had two or you know two of the three slots filled, and somebody had end, uh, inevitably end up deleting one of your save slots, and then you'd have to murder oh. that kid. And... <laughs> See, yeah, that happened to me once, and after that, I didn't let people use yes. my save no, slots oh, yeah. anymore. Everyone that I knew, everyone, no, you can't play Zelda, no. Because somebody, you know, Kid X already deleted something. So, yeah, everyone that I knew was that, had that same rule. Well, see, at my neighbor's house, and I'll get more into this in a second, but at my neighbor's house, they had a Nintendo, and they had Legend of Zelda. And my brother ended up saving up to buy his own copy of Legend of Zelda. We didn't have a Nintendo at the time, but he saved up <laughs> to buy the Legend of Zelda so he could have his own save slots. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, wasn't Zelda... Um... I can't remember which one I played first, but wasn't it semi open world too? Like it was about it was top view, top oh, down. Yeah. It was a really then, huge open world. Okay. Yes, yeah. you um you had to follow the dungeons in a certain order. Mm-hmm. It kind of walked you through the path because you'd finish dungeon one, then you'd go and you'd finish dungeon two, and that would give you the tools you need to finish dungeon three, and so on and so forth. But a lot of it you could do in whatever order you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure there were some you could I think there were some that you could do out of order. They'd be more difficult, but I think I'm pretty sure there were some you could do out of order. Well, Legend of Zelda, the original in particular, um, if you ever watch on Twitch, there are people that do speedruns of the game now, and they actually start with the third dungeon and then they go to dungeons one and two, because it's faster to get to that dungeon first, and it has a key ladder. It, like, you need the ladder to do a lot of the tricks and stuff with speedrunning, so. Ah, hmm. uh, so many good times with that game. Well, I got my start um, on the TRS-80, and I don't even know which game I played first because I was so young, but uh, the TRS-80, Tandy Radio Shack, Pisa, Trash-80, um... We played games like uh, Centipede, Megabug, uh, Berserk, um, and there were a lot of things that were copies of. There's like a, a copy of Space Invaders that was on there. Megabug was like Pac-Man, but it was like Pac-Man on steroids, because basically the the map was a lot more intricate than the Pac-Man map was. But it was stolen Pac-Man. Um, there's Wildcatting where you're like basically trying to dig for oil. Um, I never played it because I didn't know how to read at the time, but the original Zork was on there. The original Frogger was on the TRS-80. Um, a lot of the older games got their starts there, but, uh, the one game I remembered to love and hate was, uh, Color Baseball. And it's like a regular baseball game. You could put in the, uh, names of your players. So I always put the St. Louis Cardinals players' names in there and their batting averages. And you could play against the computer, which was worked fairly well. You could play against the other another person. Now the problem was my brother was a jerk. Terrible, terrible jerk. So what he would do is he would throw one pitch and it would always be a ball so that I couldn't hit it. And as soon as his catcher had the ball, he would run all the with his catcher run all the way to the pitcher's mound, throw the ball back to the pitcher, then before his catcher got back to past home plate, he would throw the ball again. And as long as it was straight, it was a strike. (laughs) Even though it never got near home plate, and I never had a chance to hit the stinking ball, and he would do that all game, every single game. Oh, I hated him. Gotta love those glitches. (laughs) Those early PC games were really fun like that, because they 
there was no controls to it. Like there was no limits is what I mean by controls is there was nothing that stopped you from, from doing exactly what you described. And so many of them were like that. Yeah. And that was kind of the reason why Nintendo was so successful when they came out, because I don't know if you remember the original 10, but there was the Nintendo seal of quality. And that basically made sure that they had to guarantee games were at least semi good before they would give them the seal of quality. Whereas on a lot of the computer systems or the, um, uh, the Atari, there was no seal, and so you got games like E.T. that should have been good, but was terrible, and a lot of other... Anyone could make a game and put it out there. Um, the Nintendo seal of approval made a huge difference in that, but uh, in terms of games that people have actually heard of, I got my start, like I said, at my neighbor's house on the Nintendo, and uh, in theory, they were supposed to be babysitting us. Um, you know, they, My brother and I would go over there, and the girls were supposed to be babysitting us. Well, my brother and her would be playing, and they'd take their turns. Where as soon as you died, your turn was done, and so my turn was done in like 15 seconds. And so uh, I'd be on the couch behind them playing doctor with uh, the younger sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got quite oh, yeah. an education in video games. But uh, like I said, my brother saved up to buy his own copy of Zelda. Um, we ended up buying our own Nintendo with uh, paper route money and stuff. Um, and I've been playing games. Basically, I had every system. I had, well, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Sega 32X, which was, you could play Doom on it, which was sweet. Um, but after that, by the time the N64 came out, we just didn't have the, the time or the money for that for a while. So I, I basically around the same time, probably that Dan was taking a break, um, I stopped gaming up until, uh, Halo Knights called yeah. me back. You know, you're talking about the uh, the Nintendo seal. Uh, I remember reading uh, in school, I read this really, really good book uh, by Stephen Kent. It's called The Ultimate History of Video Games. And it, it talks about it. That's one of the things that he talks about is that that's one of the, the markers where games make this huge leap from hobbyists making them to professional professional grade games and triple what we know now as, you know, kind of triple A games. And uh, it's a really cool book. Anybody that's into games should check it out. Um, it, it starts all it was Sega making some of the first. Um, if you ever watch those antique shows, they they made some of those uh, um, derby games where it, it wasn't an electronic game. It was a uh, metal horses went around in a circle, and it was kind of a little gambling game. Or the they also made some of the. Um, first uh, shooting gallery type games, and they talk about how Sega was formed and things like that. But then, yeah, they they talk about your Nintendo seal of quality. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Wow, so many good times. Some of those old games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's uh, move on into the agency update. Um, now here every week we'll be talking about uh, some of the interesting things that have come up since our last podcast. Um, and uh, one of the things that have happened recently, and now it wasn't within the last week, but uh, Matt and I made it to the Chicago Comic Con, and that was an absolute blast. Sadly, it was a month ago already, more than that. Yes, yes it was. But uh, yeah, we got to see a lot of cool things, and one of the things that I was not expecting, I knew they had some video game tournaments, but one of my favorite things that they had there was they uh, they had an arcade room set up. Um, so you could just go there and play a ton of old arcade games, and they had some newer games there too, but uh, we did not spend nearly enough time there. It's interesting I agree. To see... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. 
It's interesting to see the big leap that those have made. I went to the Chicago Comic-Con in 1997. Uh, we had, I had just graduated from high school. I had been working at a, a local comics book store in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, called Cosmic Comics. It's not there anymore. Uh, I remember so that to, place. It was the absolute best. I'd been working there for uh, about a year or something like that. And uh, I went to the Chicago Comic-Con. There was not one single video game, electronic, there was nothing. And now it really feels like video games have almost taken over those conventions in kind of a weird way. As an old school comic book guy, on some level, it kind of bothers me. I, I'm a gamer too. So I'd like to see game conventions. It's not that I don't want to see games, but I almost want to see the that purist comic book. I don't know. It's also neat though. It's neat that those cultures have, have come together because they do they appeal to the same group of people, right? So. Yeah, they complement them. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of things. Uh, Wizard World bought bought out the Chicago Comic Con, and, and yep. Wizard World runs a lot of them across the country, and I've heard a lot of that changed with them. Um, yep. C2N2, which I haven't been to yet, but I'm I'm hoping they'd be able to get to next spring. Um, I for At least the, for the Chicago area, I think C2N2 has a little bit more of the comic purist aspect to it, mm. um, where it's more comic-focused. They bring in a lot more comic artists and things like that. That was um, the cool thing when I went is that that was mainly what it was. It was all comic artists, all writers. You got to go get signatures. You got to you know meet these people that drew these comics that just masters of what they what they do. Um, I met Todd McFarlane, people like that. Wow, uh, that are just way at the top of their game, and that's because these that's what these shows were. It was just about fans meeting these creators instead of you know the side pop cultures that you know now Comic Cons have panels from Doctor Who and again not that that's bad I don't want to come off sound like that's bad that's cool but you know it's, it's lost some of what it was and maybe I'm just a man I don't know and the the other thing that there was not one person in costume that I can recall from that comic-con but I think I, from what I see online it seems like that's all these are now I wouldn't say it's all that they are but it is definitely a big um a big draw and I think, honestly, that's because a lot of people want to do costumes and things like that, but they don't have an outlet for it, except for Halloween. Yeah. So right, when they have point. this chance, then they just, you know, they go all out for it. And it's and real, you're not it's like, to, oh, go ahead. You're not looked yeah. down upon for it either, though. That's That's a big part of it, too. Like, most... At least, I don't know if it's changed, like, nerd culture everywhere, but if when I was growing up, if I did stuff like that, dude, they'd run me out of town. <laughs> I don't know, unless you're super hot and a girl, I still look down on you, but... <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but but this, this, having these venues and stuff to go to, to express that part of who you are, and, and there's no shame to it. And I, I think but, nerd culture has gotten way more accepted just across the board. But, um, oh, absolutely. But I think that it just, it's a place, like, I mean, look at Halo Nights. We all met through church slash Halo Nights, and we've had friendships for, how long, 15 years now because of it. And so, oh, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a good place to have common common ground, and, and that's that's definitely something that brings that together. Well, and I think it goes beyond just being accepted for it, because a lot of people, I mean, they get compliments. If, it, if it's at least a half-decent costume. They get compliments for it. People ask to take their picture. Um, you know, that can be, you know, not just that it's accepted, it's celebrated. Yeah. 
And I think a lot of people are, in part, looking for something like that, not just where they can be accepted, but where people you know, recognize that, hey, you're awesome for doing this costume. I have no idea how you would even do something like that, let alone take the time to do it, but that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's something where, you know, I think that's part of why nerd culture may be so popular now is because it wasn't for so long mm-hmm. that now that the people who grew up with a lot of that stuff and loved it as kids but couldn't say anything about it, now that we're adults and we're, you know, the dominant generation who could do whatever we want, I think that's part of why it's so p- predominant in popular culture now. I, I could yeah. be wrong, but... Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're completely right, and it, you're definitely right. It gives people a safe place to come out to and and enjoy the things that they enjoy without being judged for it and things like that. I mean, not that they're judged as much in society, but it gives them a cool place to do that. So yeah, it's it's definitely neat. And some of the the level of artistry and yeah uh, skill that some of these people have, it's it's mind boggling. Insane. And to think, I mean, a lot of them do it themselves. I know there's some that get manufacturers and stuff to build it for them. But, but yeah, the people that build it from scratch, like I watched a documentary about this chick that goes to them specifically for the costume competitions. And the craft that her and her team have is insane. And they do everything in her garage. And it was just crazy. That brings like up another good point. Is in outside of the ones that are just paid to do it. But I think that the costume contest and things like that and just cosplay in general has left a really interesting and neat door open for the women that are out there that, you know, the games are cool, but I don't really want to play them, but I like your culture and I like to be part of it. Universe. I I think it's left a a cool way for them to to come into this, into this world and feel that they have a part in it. You know, they're not just on the sidelines. Right. Although it is kind of sad that it seemed like I mean there were some some female costumes that weren't for lack of a better term slutty but it, <laughs> it seemed that the majority of the women were either in you know uh Harley Quinn outfits mm. uh Poison Ivy outfits or they were dressed up as guys um <laughs> and the I mean there were some from like Disney princesses and a few others yeah. that were female characters who weren't like totally skanky but it is just kind of i it just made me realize how few like female characters there are out there that are you know good characters that people would want to dress as that aren't you know totally skanky. yeah that's a completely a fault of the industry you know there's nobody is making those appropriate characters those strong decently dressed appropriate characters for female you know i think that or croft uh, is fully clothed I was just going to say that. No, <laughs> I was literally just getting ready to say that. I think that they have gone such a great direction with her. She looks like a human yes. being now. She's yep. wearing semi-appropriate clothes to be out adventuring in. You know, she gets shipwrecked and she's in a tank top. That I would be in a ship on, in a tank top if I was, you know, yep. sailing around not knowing I was getting ready to go out and, on an expedition. I'd probably be in my tank top. So she's inappropriate things in the in the beginning of that game. And so I think that they've gone a really cool direction with that. And I think that they're trying to make women, not just a, a, a sideline sex piece. And then, you know, they've, they've got her female shepherd. Um, there's in yep. there. I haven't played metal gear, but isn't there a female uh, metal gear now? In the, yeah. They implemented a female snake or femme snake is what they're calling her. Snake, where it, they yeah. gave her all the dialogue that, um, that uh, Kiefer Sutherland uses 
but it's a female. And um, so you can play the whole game with her. The only time he shows up is in the story progression cinematics. He'll take her place. Hmm. But other than that, she's she's there the whole way if you want to play with her. Kind of a weird, yep. jar, jarring choice. You have a lady that you're playing through the whole time, and then it switches yeah. to the <laughs> actual snake. Like, that's yep. that they threw yeah. it in there, but you know, maybe a little less... Oh, wait, I'm a dude now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you have to rescue her first to unlock her. But yeah, once you rescue uh, her, then you're good to go. That's cool. That's pretty neat. Um, yeah, I played with her for a while just to see what she was like. She's really sassy. She's sassy. <laughs> uh, how about that Star Wars? <laughs> On that abrupt topic, Jade. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? What Star Wars? There's, there's no Star Wars. There's, we, we haven't seen. There's not nearly enough Star Wars content coming out. I yeah. have to agree with you on that one. On any level, yeah. There, there's, <laughs> I need Star Wars. I, I looked at my buddy the other day and said, like, "Hey, we, we work in entertainment. There's got to be some place we can steal this. This movie has to exist someplace, right?" <laughs> Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> well, if it makes you guys feel any better, uh, CoverGirl is marketing a new line of makeup specifically for Star Wars. So, <laughs> nice. So you could be like what Darth Maul or something. I'm not exactly sure what it's about, but I I just know that CoverGirl is doing something with Star Wars, and it has to do with makeup. So, is it is it blemish cream for your Twi'lek head tendril thingies? No, I think it's it's like um, you know you buy their kit and then you can do your makeup like they do in the movies. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. So I'm really not sure now how I would feel if I just came down the stairs and saw my wife like made up like Darth Maul. <laughs> I'd probably be really turned on. I was going to say, don't even In think a about weird, saying that that would weird way. You, you would be all over that. You already have a lightsaber, so... Be like, hey baby, I can tell you're horny from your head. <laughs> oh. That's nice. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I just saw an advertisement today that there's a a woman's clothing line that's doing a Star Wars theme thing, and they're making up all these women. Don't go to the if you're going to go to the effort of making your head look like Darth Maul. Does do the do the curtains match the drapes? Is the the downstairs Darth Mauled as well? That's true. How, how dangerous is Darth Maul jump? Are there spikes down there? That's a good question. We're not sure what he's wearing under those robes. You know. Well, what's going on? Are there spikes down there with it? I mean, is this a dangerous person to mate with? I don't know. I think there are horror movies based on that premise. <laughs> if not, there should be. There is a quite famous movie. I can't remember what it's called, but um, it's something along those lines. Yes, it. It's based off of a real disease. Oh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I, hold on. Let me see if I can Google it real quick. Go ahead and keep talking. Uh, well, you are Googling that. Um, so I tried to play the new Star Wars Uprising game. Uh, it's, out, it's free to play. It's um, out on uh, pretty much all devices. At least the Google Play Store has it. Uh, iOS has it. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not on Amazon yet. But... Uh, I don't have a device that could play it. Have any of you guys gotten very far in that one? I, I played it myself. My my younger son, my six year old, is playing it, and he seems to enjoy it. But I haven't played it. Yeah, I haven't got very far. I the problem is 
when I play mobile games, it's like when I'm doing other things where uh, I'm not playing on my Xbox. So, um, and the game doesn't let you exit missions mid-mission. So if you're middle of mission, you have to play all the way through. Otherwise, it just starts you over when you come back. So I don't get into that as much as I play Fallout Shelter when I got when I do my mobile gaming. But I have a friend who got into it, and he's gotten to the co-op, and he said it's really fun once you get in the co-op raids and stuff. Yeah, co-op raids on a mobile sound like they could be pretty cool. I'm a little bit skeptical, but uh, I really wanted to play it. The co-op sounded cool, but I wanted to play it because of the storyline. Um, I've always been a person who's been interested in a lot of the Star Wars books, but I've just never had the chance to read them. But now that all that is no longer canon, I thought, well, now is a really good time to get into the other stuff, that all the other books and everything that tell the story outside of the movies. And that game is supposed to be part of the story between Episode 6 and Episode 7, mm. but I can't play it yet. That is some frustrating bullcrap, too, because those are really, really good books. The uh, the Zahn series is is phenomenal. I mean, that is post-Star Wars for me. That's what happens after Star Wars. I, you know, that, it's really disappointing that they, they take that out. Just, well, I- and a lot of people invested a lot of time in stuff like that, and I've heard it's really, really amazing, and now it it would be frustrating to just say, oh, that's uh, no longer part of the story. Oh, it's fun fan fiction. Ignore that. We're going to make it. And not to say that I'm not totally down with, you know, this is where they want to go. This is going to be great, and I'll accept it as, you know, the new canon or whatever. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of like, oh, I wasted my time reading what's essentially fan fiction now, you know? Well, and I well, thought that was the reason that they didn't do post movies for so long is because they had so much of that that was already written and was supposed to be canon and how are they going to get around that right right well speaking yeah. of wasting time reading stuff um i i don't know if i'd quite say it's a waste time but i read uh, star wars aftermath which was advertised as the story between um episode six and episode seven and there are now so much so much stuff coming out that this is the story between episode six and episode seven that I, it's going to be hard to follow it all. They have uh, the new shattered empire comics. They have some other comics. They have the uprising game. They have the aftermath book. Um, what's frustrating about the aftermath book though, is there is a coherent story within the book and it was fairly decent. I wouldn't say it's great, but there were, there were a lot of vignettes which had nothing to do with the book itself. It just made it, the whole thing feel like it was a big advertisement for Episode 7. I'm sorry, I'm going to see Episode 7 anyway. If I'm buying this book, I wanted it for the story, not for an advertisement for Episode 7, and that's what it was. Well, unfortunately, most uh, marketers probably don't feel the same way, Dave. They really want to sell the movie, and so that's why they probably steered it in that direction. They... If you want to, the way that they look, tend to look at it is, if you want to see the movie, then you'll want to read this book that leads you into the movie. And I agree with you. I would rather read a good book than a movie that tries to sell me on a movie I'm already going to see. Well, and there's a lot of it out there. If you uh, search for uh, the path to, oh, what's the what's the subtitle of the new movie? I just it just lost me. Force Awakens. The, the, yeah, the Force, Force Awakens, yeah. It's, it's like, I think it's called the path, A Path to the Force Awakens. There's a ton of stuff now that is part of the story, and so you have to spend who knows how many 
hundreds of dollars to buy all of it, but there's a ton of stuff down that's labeled A Path to the Force, Force, Force Awakens. And uh, I, I just hope that it's pointing to something that will be good in and of itself and that's just not more marketing garbage. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, Yeah, and the, the path stuff looks interesting, uh, but yeah, it it's almost feels like it's just a little a little too much, you know. Of course, on the other hand, if that's all the marketing is and they leave out the Jar Jar Binks crap out of the movie, then I'll be okay with it. <laughs> that is definitely true. If they want to make a Jar Jar Binks-type character, make him outside of the movie for the little kids to read and mm-hmm. then let us have a good movie without stupid comic relief. That's not fun. <laughs> yes. You know, I think that we're going to be safe on that one because so far, J.J. Abrams hasn't really, in any of those other movies, has not taken an opportunity to throw some weird gimmicky child thing in there. There's a lot of the movies that he's done that he probably could have and hasn't. So I've got my fingers crossed, but who knows? Yeah. And just from those the trailers, the trailers have this really dark theme to them. So I, I you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> unless we get to see him be killed, and then that would be fantastic. <laughs> you know, Jar Jar brings I, up a really good uh, point for me. I never really had the problem with him that everyone else had. It seemed a little silly, but it never bothered me. It didn't. So it didn't me things. until I just rewatched the prequels, and and then I realized how much it bothered me. Maybe that's what I'll have to do because yeah, it, it never really struck me as as a problem. And but I also didn't pick up on uh, was it Hayden Christensen. I, he didn't strike me as overly stiff, like everybody says. He doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I he's not the best actor in the world, but he didn't bother me. Well, George Lucas made all the other good actors look so bad that... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, you mentioned that Jar Jar Binks didn't bother you. Uh, Here we are, how many years later, 15 years later, and we're still talking about how awful Jar Jar Binks is. He is a horrible character, and there are not words enough in the world to describe how bad of a character he is. Yeah, yeah, I see. I, I just don't That's it. why like, we're I, all I worried about Jar Jar Binks being in this movie, because he scarred us all for life. You know, continuity aside, I almost would have rather uh, Howard the Duck appear in that movie than Jar Jar Binks it was that bad. I huh. would take Howard the Duck over Jar Jar Binks any day of the week and twice <laughs> on Sunday. That's fine. See, I won't defend him, I, I, but again, he just didn't. Uh, nothing ever bothered me about that character. Like, and sometimes I wonder if the people that really hate it got spun up into you know, it's, it's everything is the is this web culture now where if one person hates it, all of a sudden five million people yeah. hate it, and the hate builds and builds and builds over time. I don't Let know. It it's never caught on for me. You know, <laughs> let the hate flow through you. Exactly. No, no, for exactly. me, if anything, if it was influenced by anything out of outside of the movies themselves, it was because everybody loved Jar Jar Binks. Now, I used to play a lot of Yahoo games, like Yahoo, when they were still relevant, they had like Yahoo Chess, a lot of online right. games. 
And every third name was Jar Jar Binks 24397. Oh, no way. That would make me hate it instantaneously. Yeah, that would bother me a lot. And I'm not even exaggerating. It seemed like every third kid on there was Jar Jar Binks 92974. And it was, yeah. If anything outside the movies made me hate him more than the movies themselves, it was that. And that's a legitimate criticism of me because that has nothing to do with the movies themselves. But he was so popular among kids. That's why he was such a terrible character, because he was straight up pandering. He had no no good backstory, no mm. good emotional development, nothing. He was just there to get kids to watch the movie and think it was funny. And, and buy the awful. merchandise. Yes, and buy the merchandise. Well, that being said, in his defense, no one in the movies had good backstory. We know Obi-Wan Kenobi had to live to at least episode four, but honestly, I couldn't have cared less if he would have died in episodes one through three. That's, I mean, I, I didn't like his character. I didn't like any of the characters. There was, it seemed like there was so little character development. Um, at the same time, I remember talking to some friends at the same time, the Lord of the Rings movies were being made. And every time you thought Aragorn died or Gandalf died, I hadn't read the books yet. I have now. Every time you thought one of them died, I cared. But right. they could have put a lightsaber through Obi-Wan Kenobi's head and, again, screw continuity. I wouldn't have cared. I think the only one that I did care about was the the one that was gone, you know, with at the end of that first movie. With oh, Qui-Gon Jinn? Yeah. He, I, I made some sort of connection with him. He actually did have a legitimate, you know, feel to him. But you're right. I, I hadn't thought about it until now. But, no, I probably wouldn't have been as, uh, as bothered if anyone else died, you know. And that's a credit to... Uh... Why can I not think of it? Liam Neeson, yes. Um, because even every other actor in the movies came looking fairly bad as an actor. Even actors and actresses who we know are talented. But he came away looking pretty good mm-hmm. out of that yeah, movie. Yeah, he definitely did, for sure. I'd have to agree. Liam Neeson was the star of the first movie, hands down. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we kind of went into to movies. Where, um, you know, as far as games go what's what's everybody uh what's on everybody's what's in your well i unfortunately have been finding myself playing a ton and a half of minecraft and i need to not play minecraft because last night i spent somewhere in the neighborhood of five hours building a road from my little house to a village (laughs) it's such a huge waste of time but it was so entertaining have you seen my pit I have seen Dave. I have seen your pit. Yes. <laughs> oh, I know. Waste some time in Minecraft, but at least there's a tower coming out of it now. Yes, I, at least I have a road to show for it, and I made a very nice bridge across a river. So, but uh, that's what I've been playing a lot. Um, the other thing, if anybody, I'm sure all of well, Dave knows, of course, and Dan's probably heard me talk about it, but Hearthstone. Um, I I don't play it as much as I'd like to, but I think it's probably the most entertaining game that's out on the on any system right now. Now, would you say that do you like that better than because uh, that's the card based one, right? Uh, do you like that better yes. than the magic magic video games, not necessarily magic real world? I tried to get into magic real world when I was younger, and it probably had a lot to do with the fact that I was constrained living in a smaller town. I didn't have a lot of other people to play with. And the ones that I did have, you know, they would usually have 
the the best decks and stuff like that, and they weren't interested in teaching me how to play. <laughs> right. So I never really got into Magic. Um, what about the Magic the Digital game? Did you Matt? Did you play that or? I haven't had a chance to try those. I've watched some of them online, and I do think that Hearthstone just has a better flow to it. Um, the mechanics are a bit easier to grab, and even though they seem fairly simple at first glance, you just look at them and you're like, okay, I figure what this does, da 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 There's still a lot of depth to the game. Very cool. I'll have to check it out. I haven't tried it yet. It, look, it looks fun. Um, but yeah, let's check that yes, out. Yes, at, at this point, they are into their second card expansion, so there are a lot of cards to collect, which can be time-consuming, but you don't have to spend money if you don't want to. All you have to do is spend time playing the game, so... I think if you, like, the... if you like playing card games, Hearthstone is definitely one that is easy to get into, and it's very easy to pick up hard to master. Gotcha. That's oh, it. and for people who are wanting to pick it up, uh, Matt's been writing a lot of really excellent guides for different decks on the website. Uh, so there's a ton of stuff that would be, for people who are just trying to play the game, you know, how to build your decks. Um, there's a ton of stuff on the Agents of Game website that Matt's put together on that. Matt, could you also put together a how to build your Gwent deck for people that suck really bad at that? I ain't. <laughs> So bad at that game, and I see all these posts. Quint is the best, and that's all I yeah. do. And I get into The Witcher, and it's like, holy Christ, I can't, I can't handle this. I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, I, I suck so I bad at that. I played Magic the Gathering in the real life. I played the digital Magic the Gathering. I like collectible card games. I'm terrible at that game. Yeah, I can't figure. I, yeah, I just can't figure. I need to sit down. I didn't really pay attention to the tutorial because I didn't plan on playing Gwent. Mm-hmm. And but then I found out that some of the quests require you to have a good card deck, otherwise people die and stuff. So I was like, God dang it! I don't know if I ever <laughs> ran into anybody dying because I lost at Gwent, but um... <laughs> <laughs> I did. There's there was like one quest that I think I had to beat, you know, that that bloody Baron guy or whatever, and um, I didn't. But it was kind of a minor side thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe somebody died. Maybe he got really pissed and just went and beat the living daylights out of some stable hand because I lost, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a quest where uh, one of your friends or somebody that you know gets captured, and in order to free them, you have to beat this guy in Gwent, and if you don't, really? then they kill him. Yeah. I finished that game. I don't recall that at all. Um, I don't, because there was only one time I played Gwent as part of the story quest line, and yeah, I did not have to beat anybody. Huh. Yeah, and then I I tried to play the person during the masquerade party, and yeah, <laughs> they beat me in like two moves. It's like oh, but yeah, I never Matt, took the time to build it up. Yeah, Matt, was that what was that other Steam game you're showing me? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, that one is called Armello, and it's available on Steam. I think it was twenty dollars US uh, the last time I checked. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not doing as much with that as I'd like to. Again, it's a time issue, but the game is amazingly fun, and you play like uh, you. It's it's like a board game, but on your computer, and you have your character, and he's got a certain talent, and you can move three spaces per turn, and 
you have cards you can cast spells on other players you can cast one yourself um it's it's an amazing game definitely yeah i really liked what i played but i only played through there's like five tutorial levels that basically teach uh how to play the game and how each of the different play, characters play but it seemed really fun and a good translation of what looks like a board game to a video game yeah it's it's very cool and there's you, you decide the outcome of battles by rolling dice um and it can be kind of frustrating at first when the dice don't go your way but as you start to learn how to manipulate it a bit better you get better and you start winning and it's like this is awesome hmm is it um is it a turn based? Well, what it is is uh, you have four players on your map, and uh, they have a like a single player where you can play against the AI, or they have a multiplayer you can play against other people, and you each get a movement turn, and during that you can cast any spells that you want, or you can equip items and things like that. And after your movement turn is over, while you're waiting for other players to play, you can still play cards. You can't interrupt what they're doing. Like, if they're moving, you can't um. put a trap down in their path. But you can put the trap down before they move somewhere, if you think that's where they're going to move. So, oh. I don't know. If yeah, I'm just looking at question. it on Steam right Well, I'm looking at it on Steam right now. Yeah, it just looks, it looked kind of like uh, Civilization to me. That's what I was wondering. No, it's, it's not like civilization. You don't uh, you don't build up uh, like your army or whatever. Um, I guess you, I should say the map looks like civilization. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily. Okay, yes. So but it, it plays very differently. I, I liked it a lot. What I played of it, I definitely recommend it for people who like like games like that. Yes, and I I definitely want to get more content for it going. It's just a matter of time right now because it's a lot of fun. Um, they had a ranked option, but it wasn't available the last time I played it, and I haven't checked in on it lately. So I think that would be another big boon to the game. It's it's tough to win, but that makes that victory even that much sweeter, you know? Now, let's see. The Right now, in the machine, is in my Xbox One, is Mad Max. Um, and then besides that... Uh, my six-year-old and I bought the new Lego Dimensions game, which is absolute. Mm, I was wondering about that. It's so much fun, and if you like Lego, looks like it's just a blast. Oh yeah, yeah, because you get. To, I don't that doesn't want have my son to know about that game. <laughs> Let me put it that way. <laughs> I invited my office mate over because he's got two twin boys. I invited him. It's like, well, why don't you come over next weekend and bring the boys, and you know, we'll grill, and the boys can play this Lego game. Cause there, he's a big Lego nerd. Like we, there's a Lego store here in Denver. And if you've got a Lego store near you every, like the first Tuesday of the month, they have a free Lego build. So you can go down and build these <laughs> little mini kits or whatever. And so him and I always take our boys and we go to the Lego store. So I knew he was really into that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come. But he's like, you absolutely have to tell the children that this is some beta program that you were invited into. This is not a product that's available to the public yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause it is very much like crap. And so if you like Legos and you like, um, you know, the Skylander type games, it's phenomenal. And if you like the Lego video games, cause it plays exactly like any of the other Lego video games. Um, Does it uh, have any type of online co-op or anything? No, it's that's the only that's the only thing online. that keeps me from getting Lego because I don't have kids, so 
I sure. I won't play them unless I'm playing with friends, which I don't ever have friends come over to play games on the same screen. <laughs> yeah, and so. teamed up is the way to do it. Yeah, it's 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 probably wouldn't be you know as a kid he plays it by himself a little bit and he he enjoys that, but as an adult it would definitely be you got to play with somebody. So, yeah. but you know the coolest mechanism that they put in there. Uh, over let's say the thing that kind of sets it apart from one of the skylander games or disney infinity is that you can build and rebuild your figures as part of the game like it'll you unlock like so the the first vehicle that comes with the starter pack is the batmobile mm. you can buy upgrades for the batmobile like it can lay mines it can go faster it can jump it could do all these different things um, but if you buy enough of those and you find enough of the, these gold blocks or whatever in the game, you can then, um, you can morph it. You can change it into like a, the bat tank. Oh, and cool. So you unlock oh, the nice. bat tank and then it actually gives you plans in the game, instructions on how you can dismantle and remantle the, the Batmobile, the actual physical character of it. That's and cool. So, that's, that's a cool fun. way of doing it. That yeah, does sound interesting. Cool. Yeah. Without having to buy pieces and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's not a, like a static character. Like if you get the Skylanders, which we discovered the other day that we have way, way too many Skylanders. <laughs> um, they just sit there. They're a sky. They're a little action figure, and they, their arms don't even move. Like mm-hmm. this, it's actual moving, functional Lego pieces. Yeah, and so it's kind of cool. Are you able to free build with the pieces that come with the game and build your own kind of thing, and then warp it into the game, or does it have to be structured? No, it has to be the structured ones, unfortunately. Okay. There's no, like, cool imagination-based ones. Like, it would be neat if they had some mix of the... Uh, Disney Infinity has the toy box in their game. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have played that one. Yeah. You can build the world and stuff. It would be neat if they had that. And Lego has... Um, it's called... It's not called Master Builder, but it's called something like that. It's, it's this Builder Series game where they do. You build, like, a flat wall piece in a house and then use your ipad to scan that and then you can mm. use that to build stuff in the game and stuff like that so it's like a tower builder game and it's pretty it's it's interesting i haven't played it but it looks neat yeah it'd be cool was, if they brought that into the dimensions game i was thinking they could Definitely. do something where either the pieces have chips or or they just you just scan it somehow yeah you can yeah, put your own builds in the game there you could yeah. use the uh, the Xbox, the Connect or whatever, and just have yeah. look at your piece and figure out, oh, it looks like that. I can make that. That would yeah. be interesting if they could figure out how to do that. That'd make yeah. it like that would jump up huge on my list. Oh yeah, well, and it's so neat because it's all of their, it's all of the Lego um, franchises. So you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, Back to the Future, Doctor Who, The Simpsons, uh, Ninjago, Chima, it's everything you can think of has a level represented in the game and there's just i think i was reading an article the other day that said um they have three years worth of stuff planned for it right now and that article didn't necessarily it said it was three years planned for this it didn't necessarily say it was like dimensions two or something like that maybe that's what it will be but right now it's it's the idea is they want to keep building on this one so that would be kind of cool and yeah but overall it's pretty fun like i said if you've played any of the other lego games it plays just like that um, except for instead of unlocking new characters, you know, they, you, you go and buy, buy the physical packs to unlock the, the new characters and stuff. Yeah. 
That's cool. Then the other thing I would say that I like that they did differently than, again, since I have a six-year-old, I have Disney Infinity and I have all the Skylanders. Um, the thing that I like that they did differently than Disney, <clears throat> the biggest thing that we were frustrated with Disney was that you couldn't take, say, um, you couldn't take one of your incredible characters into the pirate's world. And you couldn't take a pirate's character into the Incredibles world. Oh, that's kind of the whole could. point. Yeah. No, I was when we bought the first version of that uh, Disney Infinity One. I was so excited because you could. I was hoping that you could mix and match like that. No, it's completely locked down. If you wanted to play through the story-based missions in that game, Incredibles had to stay with Incredibles, and and it was like that in 2.0. Also, everybody was locked down to their world. Now you can come to the toy box levels, the self-invented levels and the levels that you download, and those you can mix and match as much as you want. But yeah, so that was the biggest point. Oh. Lego doesn't do that. You can bring all of your characters into any of the worlds that you want. So I thought that was very cool. nice. Doctor Who can yeah. be hanging out with Doc Brown in whatever world you want. <laughs> that, yeah. that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it does. It sounds mind-bendingly <laughs> awesome. Two time lords. Uh, two time lords with each other, yeah. Making oh, so out. That's been a really fun game so far. And... Yeah. <laughs> total total nerd fest with some of those, yeah, definitely. Um other than that I've been playing Mad Max, which is just stupid fun. It's just Yeah, it's not there's not a lot to it. There's not a lot of thinking involved. It's just Shoot a harpoon into a dude and drag him around the desert. Can't argue with that. Yeah, my my only issue I'm having with Mad Max right now is just how repetitive they made it. Yeah. So, like, they have the five zones. You have to do everything the same in each zone to clear it. Like, there's no variety to it. But, uh, but okay. like you said, though, it is fun. Like, the driving mechanics, the car combat. Um, I like the fighting system except for their... Um, I'm just so used to Batman being so smooth that... Yeah that their combo system is a little bit uh, slushier, so I don't like it as much, but... Well, the sniper I do like in the it. sky... Go ahead. Oh, the sniper in the sky was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Me and Dave, when Dave was here in town, uh, I, there's a mode on there that you can um, have a friend control the camera while you drive or do whatever, and they can record video for it. And... Um, oh. And so uh, we took off the HUD and everything, and we were recording, and he was controlling the camera, and I was trying to drive within the camera, and um, we were just messing around with it. And we came to, the, came to a stronghold, and we found out that when I switched to sniper, um, to my sniper mode while he was in camera mode, he became the sniper rifle. So he was like a satellite shooting from the sky. So he could shoot, like, <laughs> we found a guy oh, hiding oh. behind a boat, and he shot him. Like I fired, I fired the bullet, but it shot from the, his camera view. So we were shooting people from above the map, <laughs> and <laughs> it was pretty sweet. But uh, we cleared awesome. a whole fort that way, just him sniping, him <laughs> controlling the sniper. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I, I really think that was a glitch, and it just they didn't think oh, yeah. that in director mode somebody would be sniping, and they just <laughs> so it just never became a thing. But it was so wrong, but so right. <laughs> it was. Oh, it's pretty man. sweet. But. But yeah, yeah, I've been playing a lot of uh, the Rainbow Six beta since the beta came out last week. Um, I've probably put more time in the Rainbow Six beta than I have Mad Max, actually, by now. But uh, but I'm loving the terrorist hunt in Rainbow Six beta. It is really fun. 
uh, there's good. always back to like old, you know, is it just old school? Like we'd get all get online and you know, is that sort of thing. Is it real fun or, uh, it's, it's five player co-op. I've been doing mostly co-op. The multiplayer is, I like it better than I thought I would, but I, I hardly ever play multiplayer except for battlefield. So I haven't really been doing a lot of multiplayer and there um, is no campaign. Right. There is no campaign. The way they're doing this, the campaign, quote unquote, is they're taking different. You can uh, ramp up, like I think it's three to four maps, and then have different objectives on each map. And then the team lead, Rainbow Six, she'll come over and give you a story backdrop for what you're doing in that map at that time. But there's no like cinematic story campaign. You know, I'm more and more okay with that as games do that because, especially games like that, I, the Rainbow Six Vegas. I don't think I ever touched it. It was, I mean, if, if I was playing single player, I was wasting my time because I wasn't leveling up my multiplayer guy with the way I yeah. look at it, you know? Yeah. And they're, and they share the co-op and the multiplayer share now and they pay equal. At first I was kind of disappointed cause I was like doing the co-op and I was like, man, why am I only making a hundred bucks a match when in multiplayer <laughs> I'm making 400, but in multiplayer you play four rounds, best of four rounds. Oh, there you Whereas go. Whereas in, so every round you get paid about a hundred where in co-op you're just going in between load screens. So it ends up paying equal, which a lot of times developers don't do that. Like co-op is way diminished compared to multiplayer earnings. Hmm. Um, but uh, they let you customize weapons. They don't have the uh, customization of your character like they did in Vegas, which I loved. Um, yeah, really. So I'm really okay. sad about that. I'm still crossing my fingers that they're doing, because there's a rookie you can play as if you don't have enough money for one of the other operators. Um, I'm hoping that you can customize your own rookie, but I highly, highly doubt that that's even a thing just because haven't talked about it but um but you can customize your weapons you can do your sights your barrel customizations um and then like a foregrip and laser sights and stuff like that but uh it's really fun i mean it's a challenge i um i've done one group of five of us that are on my friends list we all got together and we were doing realistics and we'd probably fail four out of the five times we try a level so it's really challenging and we're all like decent players for rainbow and um, so it's still a good challenge. The The cheapness comes from how they spawn enemies in sometimes. They have what they call bombers in the game, and they're like suicide bombers. So if they get within a certain range of you, they run at you and then blow themselves up. And mm. sometimes you're supposed to hear them breathe. They have like a Darth Vader breathing to, to let you know that they're around. And sometimes they'll spawn them right on the other side of the door from you, so you don't hear the breathing before they charge you. And so, wow. so, yeah, so they need to stop this. I mean, this day and age, especially because they, they aren't a uh, graphical powerhouse game by any means. So I don't know why, but you'd think they would just be able to put all the enemies on the map at once before you come in and then just have them react accordingly. But I don't, I'm not a programmer, so I have no clue how that works. But that's just my idea of how it should work. But, uh, but it is a blast, and it is a challenge. And the Suicide Bombers, even though sometimes they can be really cheap and feel that way, it does add a tension. Once you get inside, you know that everybody's got to be on their toes because if you don't take him down before he gets to you, especially on realistic, you have to shoot him in the head because he's wearing so much armor that um, that you're dead or multiple people are die. We've had three people die in one explosion before. But, hmm. but it's pretty tense, and it's fun. I'm really excited for the game now. But, well, it's good uh, to hear that it's, it's good because that's, I mean, Rainbow Six Vegas is one of my all-time, at least multiplayer-wise or you know, versus wise. That's one of my all time favorites. That's yeah, yeah. I just I we played and played and played that game for hours on end. Yeah. Forever was, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and for a long time. That was a game that didn't go away, you know, anymore so games go away so fast. Yep. 
That is really good. It and uh, it is. It's a more uh, slower paced shooter. It's not. I was worried they were going to Call of Duty eyes the mm. you know rainbow setting. So I'm really glad they made the pacing still slow and meaningful. Um, uh, there's so yeah, much thinking. It's definitely still got the tactical ex- uh, uh, tactical side to it. Um, it's a lot more close quarters and. Yeah. Some of my favorite levels on the old, like, say, Rainbow Six Three were close quarters. Like, I think it was Island Estate was one of my favorite ones, and that was close quarters. The Garage was very close quarters. Yeah. But um, one of the things I loved about some of the older games was going, like, sweeping through the whole level. And at least from what we've seen so far, there's not a lot of that. Um, there's You're clearing a house, basically. And with the with the destruction, that's really cool. It looks really good too. The destruction, I like. It. Um, and it makes for kind of good, you know. How how do you want to get through the house to get to where you need to be with the tools that you have? And for what it is, it's a lot. For what it is, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I did really like the gameplay. Um, but I'm I'm missing some of the bigger levels. And if there's not going to be any, that it's going to make it harder for me to have a lot of long term gameplay in that game. Yeah, Real that's quick. one thing. Oh, go ahead. Since we're talking about a game that's, that's still coming out, when, when does this game come out? Just in case. Uh, December first is okay. when Rainbow comes out. Yep. Cool. Assuming it doesn't get pushed back again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Correct. I yeah, the beta, yeah. and I think it's a good sign that the beta keeps getting uh, prolonged because they've prolonged it a second time now, and it was only originally supposed to be three days, and now it's going to be what a week and a week and two days, something like that, that it's been running. Um, by time it ends, right. so I, I think that's a really good sign. I'm I'm guessing they're getting a lot of good good feedback and and on their side data and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm hoping I'd rather they use that and push back the game if they need to and make a good yes. solid game on release than put yep. out crap and try to patch it for six months. Exactly, that's what I can say. I'm hoping that that is actually going to affect the game because so many times we've seen betas happen and then the game comes out and it's exactly like the beta was, even though we've been told that you know this is an old build, but um. But so I'm hoping that they do that. They actually make it make it affect the game. And if they need to delay it, delay it. Because this day and age, you get one chance. If you fail at that chance to impress people or make an impact, people won't come back to the game oh, as yeah. much. There's franchises that do survive that, as we've seen with Diablo three, and um, I think ESO is even making kind of resurgence because of consoles. But uh, Destiny to a certain extent, you know, Destiny, yeah, finally realized what they could have been a year ago. You know. Yep. So hopefully they see that, and and Ubisoft is known to delay if they feel like they need to. It it doesn't always mean the game's better. Like the crew was just awful, even though they delayed it. But uh, that's so um, disappointing because that looked so cool. It did. Yeah, looked really good. But um, but yeah. So Rainbow Six is definitely. I mean, I I'm just super excited. And nobody makes a game. Nobody makes games anymore like Rainbow. Everything is you know fast paced, arena type, whatever. Yeah. And so exactly. I just. Yeah, I like the tactical. That's that's like my box right there. So I'm really excited for it. And in, and uh, in a weird way, Metal Gear Solid playing that is getting me super excited for Ghost Recon Wildlands because if Metal Gear was any type of co-op in it, oh my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> Insane. That, that definitely my happiest surprise out of E3. Yeah. Well, you're talking about Wildlands, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah it just I... looks insane. Four-player co-op, open. Oh yeah, I just I can't wait. So and uh, and speaking of Ghost Recon, the last Ghost Recon I didn't like because it was just like it was so focused on the gadgets that multiplayer just mm-hmm. was terrible. I just I did not like oh, multiplayer at very, all. And they very forgettable game. 
Yeah, and they took away all the co-op modes. The only co-op you had was the campaign. They didn't have any of the terrorist hunt or the other modes that they had in the previous Ghost Recons. So you another game that I remember, like you and I, and you know, yes. those the other people that when we were local, all there just played for hours and hours and hours on end, and we had very detailed attack patterns, and you know, we, we yeah. had a lot of time to really scope that stuff out. And yeah, that's something that was sorely missing. Yeah, well, I remember. Not just was it good co-op, but it had more than four players, which very few yeah. sixteen uh, games. If had I remember right, yeah. I remember. I still remember the night Xbox or the day after Xbox Live launched. You, Stu, uh, Sean, Sean's, uh, Stuart, myself, my brother, and I think uh, one of my other roommates were playing Ghost Recon, and we were all we were all playing. And I remember coming across this like patrol, and we were up in the hill, and we were like, "Dude, let's ambush this patrol!" So we all spread out. And we called out our shots. So one guy was taking the front guy, one guy was taking the back, and then we had a couple guys on the middle. And we just worked our way through the group. And it, within seconds, the whole group was down. We were just like, this is awesome! Because <laughs> it was yeah, just such a cool yeah. co-op experience. And yeah, yeah and it, at that time, I mean, obviously, Xbox Live was new. The whole, I mean, PC was doing multiplayer for a while, but it was just something that was just a really cool experience. And mm-hmm. a lot of Tom Clancy games have those experiences where other games just don't. They don't provide the pacing that yeah. Those Call games of Duty do. just run and gun doesn't give you that same thing. Battlefield is somewhat, but again, not not quite to that extent. There's yeah. Tom Clancy games between Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon. It, it brings in that that tactical uh, aspect that's missing from so many, and they should. Yeah, there's a million Call of Duties out there, and yep. Call of Duty clones, and you know, just run and gun and whatever. We need something else. There needs to be a different yeah. option, you know? So, yeah. I think I think so many times developers are so afraid to try that anymore because if you don't have a success, companies go under, you know, in a lot of situations. Ubisoft wouldn't, but a lot of companies do. So the, the, the people that could make the special experiences or that type of experience is such a small demographic that, that wants that, or at least they think that wants that. Because if you look on Steam, I mean, like, Insurgency is a hardcore co-op experience. And that's a really successful game. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's others that I haven't played, but people want it. It's just nobody wants to take the chance on it. They want to follow the trend, you know? Yeah. Well, what's kind of scary, though, is is that it's been so long since we've had a Tom Clancy game like that, and now they're flooding us with uh, Rainbow Six, The Division, and Ghost Recon all at once. And on the one hand... You know, I think they'll probably all sell well enough to keep going, but on the other hand, they're competing against themselves, whereas if they had you know, released one of those three years ago, another two years ago, then another now, or something like that, I'm worried that they're going to lose each other in the shuffle, or maybe the quality might suffer because they're releasing them all at once. The good, the good thing, though, is Ghost Recon and Division are very close, way more closer than Rainbow Six to those two, um, but they do all offer a little bit different... Um, because Ghost Recon is just four-player co-op. Division is an MMO, a post-apocalyptic type setting. Then, uh, and then Rainbow Six is you know close-quarter first-person shooter. You do have a little bit of difference there, but I see what you're saying. The Tom Clancy name, kind of like Star Wars stuff everywhere all at once. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, Go ahead. I just say, but you can't have too much Star Wars. I love Star Wars. 
So we got got into like future stuff, Dave. I don't know if I heard what you're playing right now. Did we? Did you talk about that? Um, oh, I've been playing some of the uh, the Rainbow Six Beta, not nearly as much as Dan, but uh, I definitely liked it. Um, uh, I'm always playing GTA, especially now that the editor's out. You know, oh. I always go back to that. Um, I haven't been doing much in Minecraft uh, lately. Um, now that my tower's finished, I've kind of been stocking up for a while but without other without other people to play with there's kind of no point in stocking up on yeah. infinite supplies of enchanted diamond gear for people to go mining if no one's going mining <laughs> um but uh yeah i couldn't play star wars uprising because of my device i i still been messing around with a couple other mobile games like fallout shelter um clash of clans uh but uh yeah um i'm still trying to play star wars uh the Old Republic, too. Um, they've been adding a ton of content and made some massive improvements to the game, but unfortunately, as the game has been improving, my computer has been deteriorating, and so <laughs> my desktop can't even play that game or even YouTube videos anymore. Ouch. Um, so, yeah, I once I can uh, build a new computer, I definitely want to get back into Star Wars. Um, I'm really excited about the new expansion they're coming out with, um, with the Third Faction, um, they're bringing in, they're putting a lot more resources into the game, bringing back some really good writers for it, um, and it's just it's just improved so much. But you know, one side you have to have a good computer to be able to play it, and on the other side you have to have people to play with. And while well, I was in some really sweet guilds, you know, it's nice to be able to play with people you know, and the people how, I know aren't playing Star Wars anymore. How are the uh, server populations on that game? Um, they've combined a lot of servers. That was one of the biggest problems they had. Um, I mean, every game has problems on release, and especially ambitious MMOs. Every ambitious MMO is going to have problems on release. But I think the biggest problem that Star Wars had initially, aside from the generic ones, was... Well, on the one hand, they were right. They had a ton of people who bought the game. Mm-hmm. A ton of people who bought the game. And so they had a ton of servers to be able to handle it. But the problem was they had too many servers, and so populations were bad. They merged the servers once uh, around, I want to say, August or something um, after the game released, and they merged them again maybe six months or a year later. Uh, So now in North America, I want to say there are six mega servers. Um, There are several European servers. I don't know if there are any more Pacific servers or not, but they, they have a lot of mega servers. So you could get into PvP matches anytime you want. Um, you know, uh, that brings up another good question. That uh, I, keep, I want to go back to that game, but so much of my time in that game, both leveling and after I hit my level cap, was spent PvPing. Is that still behind the paywall, or is that part of the free free to play now? Um, it depends on how you do it, because there's basically three levels. You would be a, if you came back right now, you'd be a preferred player because at one point in time you had subscribed. Right. Um, so you get some benefits. Um, it's a limited number of PVP matches per character, but the way to do it is if you group up with people, like, okay, say I'm a subscriber and you're not. If you're in a group with me and I queue us for PvP, we could do PvP matches all night long. Oh, um, that's And it wouldn't cool. matter. Huh. Um, I don't know what the limit is if you're trying to do solo PvP, um, but they've added a ton of variety into PvP now. I think there were three maps to start off with. They've added in several oh. more 8 versus 8 maps, um, and also several 4 versus 4 survival maps. Um, so it's kind of last man standing, um, and a bunch of a bunch of stuff. PvP, 
has gotten a lot better in that game. Everything has gotten a lot better in that game. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, a lot of the people that I personally know, um, they took a while to make some of their improvements, and I think that made it hard for some people. A lot of us are also just console gamers, too, and so that... That's my problem. I got people away. way too much on Xbox, where my, I seriously haven't touched my PC since, I think, March for gaming. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been... Yeah, I just... Well, it's way been more a of a good year on consoles. Have, the next generation's finally starting to hit um, yeah. consoles. You know, I think that uh, ESO has kind of proven, Elder Scrolls has kind of proven that um, it could it, consoles could support a game like that. It would be neat to oh, see yeah. Star Wars on a console, and there's nothing graphically about that game that an Xbox One or a PS4 couldn't do, I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's the number of buttons, though. Um, and yeah. Dan and I and some other people have talked about this. Uh, Star Wars is a very complex game. Um I have on my screen something like, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six toolbars, I think. 12 and tool, of 12, right? Toolbars of 12. I think, yeah, but that's I think there's you're an insane person. Like, I played through <laughs> that game with two toolbars. Well, yeah. yeah, but did you play Did you play the end game raids? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think they had them out when you quit. Well, they quit. did. They had the two, but they weren't. They, uh, they weren't some, like yeah. they are now. Yeah. 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 I guess they did have. Um, they have changed uh, the mechanics of them. Vault and way different now. Exactly. Yeah. I played. See, I played WoW for years. I played. I played every expansion up to this this Panda one. Yeah, I, was I, I never you. really got into. I I kept two toolbars usually at at a max in games like that because after that you're starting to you overthink what you're putting on them. And you're putting things on there that you use like three times, you know, yeah. every hour or something like this. Well, but uh, in my opinion, you could, I could probably, for an operation, I could probably drop down to three toolbars. But even if we say, okay, even if we say for the sake of the argument, two toolbars, for the sake of the argument, just two toolbars is all you need. It's what, about 10 slot each? That's 20, 20 skills. Yeah, that's that's still a lot for a controller to handle. Even if you do like swapping or something like that, it would be difficult to do a game. Even if you only went with two toolbars, both of those systems have. Here's the problem: is both of those systems have uh, keyboard support. The Xbox is built on the same model that Windows 10 is built on, so it could definitely use a keyboard. And uh, PS4, I'm ninety percent sure has keyboard support. So there's that, no reason you couldn't bring that in. Well, and I've been saying ever since the Xbox 360 when they had USB ports, you know, I would love to have games that had per, like a, a flight stick for mm, a really good flight yeah. simulator, combat flight simulator, which we haven't seen a really good combat flight simulator. Um, they're finally coming back on PC now and a little bit on Xbox with what Elite Dangerous and some others. I don't know if they're going to be any good, but uh, definitely they could do it, but... I just wonder how many console players would hook up a keyboard and mouse. I would. Sure. For Star Wars, I would. I I play I play console games way longer than I do PC. I can usually last them on PC for about two hours, and then I'm too uncomfortable. I think they're limiting their audience. You know. It's, uh, oh yeah. There's no reason that you know. I yeah. Well, I know for so sure that not, uh, maybe not five million console players would hook up a keyboard and mouse, but. A couple hundred thousand probably would. You would recoup the, you know, a few thousand dollars that it spent to develop well, the, you know, port that over to the to the machine. Yeah. Well, look at Neverwinter. If you look at Neverwinter, right. I, and I don't know the numbers for Neverwinter on Steam before it came out on console, 
but console just boomed Neverwinter. Like oh, it yeah. hit two million, two million um, common players play or whatever they call. It. I can't think Concurrent. of the word right now. Concurrent, Concurrent players play Neverwinter on Xbox One alone, and now they're adding wow. it to PS4. Yeah, and so and I know Steam was way lower than that before it launched on consoles. And it's been consistent since launch. It hasn't dropped off that much. I thought ESO would actually take some of those numbers, but um, ESO is doing really well too. I don't, I can't remember what the numbers were on that, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's console is definitely a place. Oh, and that's one thing the um, developers for ESO said is they thought that it would be a casual crowd that would jump ESO on console, but they said it's the casual and hardcore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I really think. Uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic would be really successful on console. I think uh, Wildstar, now that it's free to play, if they brought it, would be successful. I think Guild Wars Two. I mean, it just that's a lot of MMOs in one pl- platform, but still, well, I think Marvel people Heroes would play. Talk a lot about yeah, Marvel Heroes well. would be amazing and work perfectly. And they're actually releasing a controller update for that here pretty soon when it goes to Marvel's 2016. So, and they just won't comment on console, which I think they're working on it. But uh, but yeah, um. Yeah, I think that a lot of games would benefit. And and like you said, they'd only be expanding their audience. It wouldn't hurt them to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, that, I mean, that's kind of what I've been playing now. I've been just dabbling in a lot of bunch of things. But, um, you know, among stuff that's coming up, I'm interested in Elite Dangerous, but it's kind of one of those things where I want it to be good, but I'm going to just kind of wait and see for a while. Um, Minecraft story mode is one that I, I really am interested in, but I'll probably wait until uh, all the episodes are out, then pick that up. Um, yeah. Uh, Divinity Original Sin was pretty good on PC. If you played, uh, what was that zombie game that just was like the free game of the month? It's fairly similar to that, I thought. Oh, How to Survive or something yeah. like that? Yeah. How to Survive. I thought it played fairly similar to that personally, um, and that was that was. You know, I liked enough. it because it's. Yeah, I liked it because it was turn. I love turn-based games because that you can be so strategic with the turn-based games, and I always I've wanted XCOM to go co-op so badly, but um, uh, but Divinity is a turn-based co-op game, and they do it so well. I'm just I'm super excited for that to hit console because I know I'm going to play it more than I did on PC, but um. Yeah, that is a good one. And it's yeah. one that's kind of under the radar, I think. A lot of people don't know about it. Yeah, well, I hope it gets some publicity because, I mean, we need more variety in games. Um, I mean, I love all the mainstream games as much as everybody else, but it would be nice if there's more variety, and that's a variety that we really don't see a lot on consoles. Um, but oh, yeah. variety, Dave. Oh. If you want some variety, we're also We're also play. getting... You can go play uh, Don't Poop Your Pants. That's a great indie <laughs> great indie game that mm. will give you some variety. I'll uh, have to what take about, a word for What that. about that game no, where you uh, give other men showers? I haven't heard of that one. Is, is it a really legitimate game? It's, it is a legitimate indie game, and it's very funny. There's achievements in it, <laughs> and uh, um, it's all text-based. So it starts with a guy outside of a, a bathroom, and you have to type him through the steps. <laughs> to not with his pants. Does he run into yeah. obstacles or something? Well, you have a limited amount of time, and the obstacles are really just... It, it's kind of a fun trick little indie game because you don't think about all the steps involved in it. So you, He's standing outside the door, so you tell him, you type in open door, sit on toilet, and poop. 
but you forgot to tell him to take his pants off. You know, little <laughs> things like that. And you know, that's awesome. Or, <laughs> after you played it through, once you finally figure out how to play it through right, you find different bizarre ways of making him poop his pants. So, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. fun. It's, and it's all like eight bit ish type graphics, maybe sixteen bit graphics. So it's all it's nothing. It's nothing vulgar or gross that you're going to see. It's just kind of silly and fun. You can Google it. It's it's a free to play. It's a web based game. It's just kind of silly. That gives you try that variety in your, in your game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, the short version is I won't go into a lot of the details, but uh, my wife has been playing a lot of Rock Band on the Wii lately, Rock Band 2. And we had it on the Xbox 360, um, and she was having me look some stuff up on it, and I, I was noticing just how far Nintendo has fallen. And before I get to where I was going, I'll backtrack just a little bit. So, Nintendo is where a lot of us, you know, solidified into hardcore gamers uh nintendo was just the original nintendo system um but they've just seemed to have fallen off so much and the wii seemed to i heard someone else describe it as the wii was designed intentionally as a a game for you know party games and casual crowds and they made a ton of money on that and that's all well and good Holy cow, that was bad. A lot of the core gamers have moved on to, um, you know, the Xbox or the PlayStation. And so now they've come out with a Wii U, which is technologically better than the Wii, but no one's buying it because everyone either is on the Xbox or the PlayStation. I bought it. <laughs> Except for him. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but very few people are. And the casual gamers aren't because they still have their Wii and they got their Wii Bowling and their other stuff. But anyway, so if you think about who the players they still have are, there are some hardcore gamers, but a lot of it's the casual crowd who play party games that aren't graphically intensive or require a lot of processing power. So out is coming Rock Band 4. Yeah, it is. And if I'm not mistaken, I could not see any Nintendo console whatsoever on the list of consoles that is coming out for. Which basically, right. which basically says that Nintendo has fallen so far that they can't even get a third-party party game. Wow. The, that the, seems like exactly the kind of game for the, tar- the audience that they're targeting. How would they not have that? And you would think the company that's it's already making the game, it's not difficult to, you know, graphically make it. If you would think that they would want to make money off of the Nintendo crowd, but there's not a Nintendo crowd to make money off of. And so that's I mean, Rock Band Four is coming out what next week, and that that just made me really sad for Nintendo. And I maybe I'll put this out for for your opinion, guys, but I just think Nintendo should get out of the console business, do what Sega did. Just make games. Yeah, probably. Um, Sounds like a plan. I mean, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's it. Well, I mean, um, I think that you have a very good point. Uh, at this point, you're right. No self-respecting gamer in quotation marks uh, plays on a Wii. <laughs> that's all I can say. It didn't even factor into the console wars. I mean, back when the PS2 and the Xbox One were coming out, um, nobody asked about the Wii, even though it came out before those two. No one cared. And it sold. Um, it did. It did sell a lot. They made tons of yeah, money. Yeah, I wouldn't say that no one cared. The Wii did very, very well. 
Well, but you, it, it didn't get the attention that the other consoles get. It was probably a secondary console for the hardcore hardcore gamers. They probably got either a PlayStation or an Xbox, and then got away along with it. Yeah. Um. So when I was, I lost my train of thought. Um. But what I was saying is, they do have some of the best franchises in mm-hmm. video game history: Mario, Zelda, um, Metroid. Metroid, yes. Um. What's another one that was really big? Now I'm basing on it. Oh well. But uh, if they were to switch their focus from making consoles to solely working on more of those games, I do think that that would make them a lot of money. Um, And we would have, uh, hopefully, better versions of... More versions... I I lost my train of thought, sorry. Well, I would would buy a Mario game or a Zelda game or a Metroid game, but I'm not buying a Wii U. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Very good, Dave. Thank you. You all suck, and I love my Wii U. So. <laughs> uh, I, 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 but I'm in that group. I have, um, I have two kids, and my wife and I have four people. I need party games, so you know I, I'm in that demographic. So yeah, I, I, that's the only place I can go for those things. So that's where I go to get them. You're, you're right. I wouldn't buy if there was a cross-platform game. I'm not buying it on the Wii U. So I'm not arguing with you there. But it still appeals to because Xbox doesn't care about four people anymore. I don't understand that. Xbox does not care about same room party play anymore, and it, it infuriates me. So I've got to go someplace for it. Yeah. That is also a very good point as well. I hadn't thought about it. I want to still play Halo in the same room as four other guys. I want to touch other guys while I'm playing video games. <laughs> Uh, well, that didn't I, come off creepy at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, you can come and touch me anytime you want. Perfect. So, um, and we've reached another level of creepiness. <laughs> well, you know, I, I will <laughs> say that those Halo nights were some of the best experiences in gaming yeah. of my entire life, but I don't know that we're ever going back to that, even if it was enabled. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that I would. I think that I would have people over and, you know, I would still have Halo nights. I think that maybe I'm wrong, but. I think land parties are still a thing. You know, I don't know. I, I think the Xbox and PlayStation have kind of missed a mark and not, they, they've isolated us instead of bringing us together and Nintendo's still trying to hold on to that. So I kind of applaud them for that. Yeah, they don't have the hardcore market anymore, but in that said, there must be a big market for that because I went to buy Mario Party 8, which is a Wii game and, you know, all the Wii games I can play on my Wii U. I went to buy that. That game is still forty freaking dollars used at the GameStop. <laughs> so wow. those things have not lost their value. Maybe it's because there's not constantly new games coming out, and that's just the way it is. So when there's no new game to replace that one, it still holds it holds its value. But Mario Party Eight is two generations old. I bought Mario Party Ten. But I wanted to get that older one. So, I mean, it's still two generations old, and it's only $20 less than a brand new game. So, I don't know. There must be some market still there for it. Yeah, well, I, I think they, I mean, I would, like I said, I would play their games if they had them. Uh, Smash Brothers, Mario Party. I'd play some of those games if they had them. But right now, I just can't justify buying another console, even with kids. Um, I just can't I buy think another the biggest- console. Biggest place that they they lose me or that they they miss their target is peripherals. 
there are too many controllers for that Wii U. There's, you can use your original Wii controllers on it, but they don't work right with certain games. You have to have the Wii U controllers, which are still physically the same as the Wii controllers. They just have an extra accelerometer built into the bottom of them. So there you've abstracted one layer. Then there's a pro controller that only works with certain games. There's a, uh, a set of controllers that's specifically for Smash Brothers. And then there's <laughs> the big gamepad controller. So you've got at least four wow. different sets of controllers that every game supports differently. Like each game is not required to support each controller. It can pick and choose which set of peripherals that it, it controls. And that goes back to your topic way at the beginning of this. Is they don't care about that seal of quality anymore. There's no, it's become this wild west of peripherals. <laughs> and they That's don't care awesome. about the gamer anymore. <laughs> you know? And it uh... sucks. Because when we bought it, we bought Mario Party 8, and they had these pro controllers that are more formed like an Xbox controller or PlayStation controller. And I asked the guy specifically at the game store, like, hey, look, does, does this work with Mario Party 8? Because it looks different. I, I don't think it's going to. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it will. And I ended up buying three of them. They only had one. So I went to two other game stores, same company, around town, around the Denver area. Every person at those game stores told me, yes, it'll work. It did not work. And so even the people that are professionally selling these things, Nintendo's made it too confusing for them to even understand what, what's going on. Now, the sad thing is if any one of them would have flipped the box over, it said which controllers work. So that's kind of on them a little bit. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to think, you know? I agree. I There needs to be a standard. And yes, you should be able to add on if you want to. But there has to be some standard that works across every game. There needs to be a base and build from there. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I love my Wii. I like that it has the remote remote play to the big big handheld thing. That's kind of nice. But, yeah, it's, it's, they've kind of lost what they were trying to do with that. Okay, well, what other games are you guys looking, up, uh, looking forward to? There's only one game that ever needs to come out from now on. I assume that after Star Wars Battlefront comes out, no one's publishing <laughs> games anymore. At least not first-person shooters. There's no reason to make another first-person shooter. Less that. than a week till the beta. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's that's going to be big. I don't know that, you know, I assume that I'm going to go into a cave and not come out. I already have a beard, so I can't, can't say I'm going to grow a beard. But yeah, that's going to be an amazing game. So now, funny, is that an open beta? I haven't seen any yeah. things for signups or anything. So it is totally an open beta? Open. Yeah. yeah. Yep, it is open. Yep. Just need the platform. Yeah. So that, that's a big one for me. That, that looks yeah, amazing. Gonna be sweet. Watching the videos for that is, is, I hope is mind-blowing. It. Yeah, I hope the co-op mode... My two, my two things for the game that I'm worried about is I hope the co-op mode does more than just horde mode. And I think it does, because I, I remember yeah. reading something for a hands-on, and they said they did a, uh, a X-Wing co-op pin where they were both in X-Wings, which should be pretty sweet. Uh, one of my favorite Battlefield 3 co-op missions was when you were both in Apache helicopters. Yeah, 
Yeah. But uh, which is the only right. I mean, it's nothing to do with Star Wars, but that's dice, and so. But uh, so that's where I'm pulling my reference from. But uh, and then the other concern I have is they aren't doing the large squad build up like they do in the Battlefield games. It's only two player squads. So I'm not sure how many friends you'll actually be able to get into a room to play with if you can only be in on a a two player squad, and if you're only going to be able to join rooms with one other person. So, and I'm worried about that just because you can't join with a big group of friends. It won't be as fun. I'm, I'm sure it'll still be fun, but I don't think it'll be as fun as having a large group playing like back in Battlefront 1 and 2. Well, and I think it but would make it a lot harder beta to coordinate too. Yeah, it's nice to have, you know, a two-person group. But, yeah, you still have all these other people, all these other teammates that you need to talk to. How are you going to do that without being in a bigger group? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so the other... Uh, I was going to say that uh, you mentioned Star Wars Battlefront uh, the uh, being the last first-person shooter you'll ever need. <laughs> um, that's actually the one <laughs> uh, demographic of game that I'm looking forward to, but on the PC side of it is uh, Blizzard's Overwatch. Hmm. Um it's a new first-person shooter. It kind of looks like it's going to play out uh, similar to Call of Duty. Um, but that's one of the things that I personally think Blizzard is amazing at, is taking uh, an existing game type and putting their own spin on it. And that spin just skyrockets it. I mean, that's how World of Warcraft came out. They copied EverQuest. Yeah. Basically, they put their own spin on it. I think straight to the moon. Uh, Hearthstone, yeah. they didn't exactly copy magic, but you know that's kind of where they got the base of it from. They did some tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I'm looking forward yep. to Overwatch. Um, I want to see Blizzard's take on a first-person shooter. Uh, I think... Well, if they you have a good idea good. from Team Fortress. Yeah, they did a really exactly. good job with Team Fortress, and it's been successful. The only thing, and I, I want think to see Overwatch Blizzard... is kind of like a spin-off that, but yeah, that the style. only thing I want to see out of Blizzard, Sorry. where a person has a gun, is is my goddamn Ghost game. I am still angry that there's no Ghost game. Oh, the, uh, dude, um, they talk. It looks so sweet, man. It. it looks so cool, and that was the coolest character in StarCraft, and I was. Furious when that got yeah. canceled. They, you would think that with the power that we have now, that they could do that right too. Because their pro- their worry was that they were weren't going to do it justice. But you would think now they could. Yeah, that it would would be possible. Yeah, that that yeah. just yeah it killed me when they canceled that. Yeah. So unless Overwatch um, is a chick in a stealth suit with a sniper rifle, I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re- I'm getting really excited for. Um, it seems like uh, it seems like multiplayer games are trying to all be the next esport arena. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sensation. Because it seems is. like it is. And you look at you look at even like Rainbow Six we were talking about earlier. They have their main their mode is kind of esportish with the five v five. They aren't going large yeah. like they used to. And then you look at Halo. Halo is doing its called arena mode. Um, and they're going for that market, even though they've always had kind of an esports presence. But 
Um, but one thing that I'm excited for with Halo is their Warzone mode looks insane. And it's some, like, ever since Halo 1, when we used to do our Halo nights, and when I first saw Halo, I've always wanted a multiplayer where it was more than just killing each other. And it was large scale, yeah. utilizing all the vehicles and, and having a large scale. Like, I wanted, I would, I kept saying Battlefield Halo. I've always wanted right. a Battlefield Halo. And yeah. Warzone mode looks as close to Battlefield Halo as they've come so far. And it just looks phenomenal. And the fact that they're adding AI presence on the map for that. Um, oh, it just makes me. It's awesome. Plus, they're doing, <laughs> yeah, and plus they're doing the rec system, which looks freaking sweet. And you can you can team up against the AI and then have a three way battle. And it kind of reminded me, like I remember the first time playing Halo One, the first time I was coming out of, on assault and control room, and the flood, the covenant, and the humans are all fighting. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, this is just so sweet. We're you know we're fighting on three different fronts. It's so sweet. And the multiplayer for Warzone reminds me a lot of that because you got the you'll have the two you'll have the forerunners the Covenant um, and unless I'm forgetting one and then the humans all fighting for control of the map and obviously the humans are all human or player controlled except for the AI defenders and then you have the AI armies on there plus you have the bosses that show up on the map that you have to team up to fight and and that can cause a three way battle kind of that same sensation so I'm just really excited wow. for Warzone mode. I think it's just going to yeah. be insane. Every time I watch videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for. Because Halo, I usually lose interest in the multiplayer pretty quick because I suck online. And I play. I want to play it for fun and have fun, but modes have never been really um, helpful to people that can't kill. I'm terrible at killing people because I don't go for headshots. Right. And, um, and Warzone seems like something where I can contribute as a player who's not good at killing, but contribute to the team like Battlefield does, where I do objective play yeah. and still contribute. So, you know, Halo yeah. is another one that... Really I, like, excited Halo for that. A, Halo has a great story, but Halo is another one where I could care less. If they drop single player tomorrow, I mainly want it for the multiplayer. I will probably pay $2 for that game and mostly only ever play multiplayer, especially with, you know, with the Warzone one, like what you're talking... Warzone mode, like what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know that I'll spend that much time in... You know... Uh, well, yeah, do you know what of, games need of, to start uh, doing? And I'm just going to say something really quick before yeah. we get into this, but uh, I'll talk about it probably more next week. But if you haven't, if you're getting Halo, and you haven't listened to the Hunt the Truth uh, podcast uh, series, I would highly recommend that because the story is. It's an interesting story. If you read the books, you've heard a lot of, it, but the way they tell it is amazing. I'm hmm. really, really digging it. Um. And so you can download the podcast. It's really yep. awesome. And I'll shut up about that now. <laughs> Is that the vocal journal one where they go through? Yeah. Well, it's like if you've ever listened to like National Public in first Radio. Person. Yeah, if, you, if ever you've listened to like National Public Radio, it's basically a, a journalist's story. Um, and he – it sounds just like National Public Radio. The, the guy's talking and he interviews people and he has clips from when he's interviewing people and talking to them. Um, uh, it, it sounds like a lot of stuff they'd have on NPR and it's just really, really cool how how they did it. That's um, neat. But, but it's tell all us like the story. That's – Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. I'd listen to that. Yeah, season I, I one like... just finished. They're starting season two of it right now. Yeah. I like how Microsoft does their marketing for Halo because they do their marketing for Halo in a very, um, I can't think of the word now, uh, it's the ARG or um, what's the term they use for like um, making it seem real world, but it's 
not real kind of thing. Isn't that ARG? Is that what they call it? Anyway, but yeah, they sorry, do a really good know. job with that. Like doing their video, yeah, doing their videos the way they do them, like with live action and news reels and stuff like that. And then doing the, I remember for Halo 2, they had that whole Cartana series online that you could find. And she had her updates and stuff. Mm-hmm. For it was Halo Two or Halo Three, but a really good job for marketing. Bees. There was something for bees with marketing. For, I think it was for Halo Two, and then they had like yeah. the museum. The yep. old that's man the one the I was museum. talking about. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they just do a really good job with it, and then uh, they did really good with freaking um, Forward Unto Dawn that movie yep. years ago. That was really good. It's on yeah. Netflix, they just do a good job. Excellent. I need to. Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's cheap. You can tell that it's not a high-budget film, but they do such a good job with it. And, I mean, the acting might not even be that great, but they do such a good job with it that you don't care. I mean, it, they really do a, an excellent job, I thought, with it. Um, one thing I was going to say when Sean was saying that he doesn't even play single-player, I saw a stat for Call of Duty on the last Call of Duty. What was that, Ghost? What was the last Call of Duty? Advanced Warfare. Um, on Advanced Warfare, something like 83% or something like that. I can't remember the stat, but it was really high. It didn't even touch single player. What yep. I think, and I think Microsoft or like Sony, a first party, whoever owns the console needs to do first to get the trend going, but they need to start splitting their games up. So you yeah. can buy multiplayer and single player for this price or buy single player for $30, multiplayer for $30 and split oh, yeah. it up so that people can start picking what they want to buy instead of buying the whole package if they're not going to touch the other half of the package. I bet I guarantee they get more sales that way. That's um, a good idea, yeah. With a with a market that that isn't buying games because they're like, I don't, I want to buy the whole game if I'm only going to play multiplayer. Well, especially now that you have uh, um, digital downloads so much more, is the you just yeah, split exactly oh, absolutely yeah. too, you know, or have one half of it turned off. You don't have to make a whole other disc for it, you know. Yep. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Digital downloads have opened up uh, basically the sky's the limit, and we're still stuck back in, you know, everything has to be wrapped up in one tiny, neat little package on a disc. Yeah. So we need to advance yep. as a as a gaming generation, I think. This next segment is brought to you by Soylent Green. The makers of Soylent Red and Soylent Yellow are happy to bring you Soylent Green. Not only is it delicious and nutritious, but it's our best product yet. What makes it so good? Our generous volunteers. Soylent Green. We love people, and we think you will too. Okay, moving on to movies. Uh, so when we had the Agents of Game movie night in Lincoln, we watched... Uh, a slightly forgettable movie, uh, The Man from Uncle. Um, I personally uh, thought that was uh, it was enjoyable enough, but they clearly were setting up for a sequel that I don't think that I want to see. Well, I, I'm not dying to see it. Least. <laughs> well, I agree with they you. They wasted I'm, time. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, they wasted time setting up for a second terrible movie. <laughs> I didn't mind it so much, but I do agree they shouldn't have brought a sequel into it at all for the shooting. Like, they should have developed as much as they could in the first movie, because otherwise people aren't going to stick around to go to a sequel if they don't care about the characters from the first one, you know? Yeah, it it kind of seemed like they were doing a, a Mission Impossible thing, except 
that it wasn't as good as Mission Impossible the first one was. Yeah, and I don't think that was necessarily a bad movie, but it just... It was just like eating a slice of cake, and well, this is uh, this is okay, I guess. I'm I'm not gonna throw it up or anything. I'm not gonna spit. I'll I'll keep eating it, but I'm not gonna buy a second piece. It's just not good enough. <laughs> I, I think part of it was the character development. Um, the the characters were good, but they were already very strong characters initially and so you really didn't see a whole lot of development or change or anything that made you that interesting there were a couple scenes where it seemed like they were trying but it just wasn't enough yeah the only growth you really saw was between them their their relationship and that was about it but as far as characters go themselves they're pretty much who they were from the beginning to the end yes exactly you're right dan well, and but it didn't even seem like their relationship, and uh, maybe I'll put a spoiler tag here. Uh, spoiler, spoiler. If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead like two minutes. Um, towards the end, when one of the members has a de- he walks into a room and he has a decision to make, it doesn't look like he's really questioning. I mean, it looks like he's going to go through with it until the other character says something that diffuses the situation. And I don't know. On the one hand, that was kind of a twist, but on the other hand, it yeah. suggests to me that they really didn't grow together that much. But you could tell he was struggling with it, though. Like, he, he had to shut himself off to do what he needed to do. And that's what yeah. I think they're showing. Like, the reason why he turns into such a, like, you know, like a... I can't think of the right word, but he became a stone-faced, you know, when he decided that he had to do what he had to do, he became stone-faced and had no mm-hmm. emotion the rest of that shot. And it's because he, you know, he knew that he had to, he had to do it. He had no choice, and this is how I can do it. You know, by shutting myself but he off. Didn't but want to do it. Um, Whereas at the start, he didn't he want to do it. Where at the care. beginning, he would have gladly done it. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I do think I read a a review where he he brought up if they would have swapped the actors in the roles, so had the blonde guy be the charismatic spy from America and. Um, Superman be the spy from Russia. They would have fit those roles a little bit better than they had, than they had in in the movie. And I agree with that. I think they would have done a little bit better that way. But definitely but, interesting. I to liked see. it. I mean, it was it was it was entertaining, and I like Guy Ritchie's style. He has just his movies just ooze with style. So, but yeah, it wasn't. But yeah, his, I doubt it's going to get a best movie by any stretch of the imagination. But it it was enjoyable yeah. to watch. Uh, but yeah, you're no. right. I probably yeah. won't go and see the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's The Man from Uncle, I guess. <laughs> Watch it on Netflix <laughs> when it comes out, but probably not spend money on it. Yeah, it definitely would be a good Netflix. That might do pretty good on Netflix, actually. One of those movies that good on Netflix. Yeah, I would watch it. Uh, well, uh, speaking of movies, I and this isn't any this isn't new by any stretch of the imagination, but I've always considered myself a Judge Dredd fan. Um, I played the video games. I never got into the comics. They were a bit too uh, too old for me when I was around. Uh, when I was into comics, they were mature versions, and I was still kind of a kid. They're but, super um, good, and you they hold up. You could go check them out now. It, yes, thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a big um, comic. I'm still a comic book nerd. I still get comics and still into them. They're good. Yeah. Um. And what was I saying? Oh, but the first Judge Dredd movie was admittedly pretty pretty awful. Um, the second Judge Dredd movie came out and hardly anybody saw it. I remember it being one of the worst, lowest grossing films of the year. I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, um and when it got oh, to Netflix, it. Um, it just exploded because there was a bigger audience and people would watch it. And it was, it was actually a very good mm-hmm. movie. So I mean, it was it's, a really good movie. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, so it was that's the, something it was the to grittier think about. Judge Dredd. It was the it was the comic-y Judge Dredd. It was not the silly over the top Sylvester uh, Stallone. Hollywood Dredd. No, I won't lie, I really enjoyed that movie too. But um, you know, the, this one was good. This was enjoyable, and I really made me hope that they make other ones. I'm sure they won't because it didn't do well. But uh, yeah. Well, good. that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, that's... It, once it hit Netflix, it did. It, it got very popular. It was one of their most viewed programs while hmm. they had it. I think they still have it, actually. So yeah, probably. hopefully there will. Yeah, be that's one thing one. about Netflix. Been saved like TV shows have been saved because of Netflix because they see that the audience still wants yeah. wants that show, even though it's necessarily not a big user on TV ratings. Yeah. But hey, the best example. Yeah, of that I think I do. I still think that. Good. Good. <laughs> You're good. No, I think My point can be made after. Go ahead. That, oh, sorry. The biggest example of that is the TV shows being saved as Arrested Development. One of the funniest, smartest shows out there that just didn't, did, did terrible. Yeah. Cause it, it was ahead of its time. You know, I think it was out yes. around yep. the same time as The Office started. So people were just starting to understand that. Uh, what do they call it? Multi camera shooting, or whatever, where it's the you know it's the fake reality show. So they were just kind of getting that. Yeah, thing. they didn't really quite get it yet. And they didn't necessarily do this last season that great, but it saved a show for the rest of us. And they're doing another season, so hopefully they'll they'll bring it back together. And but yeah, yeah I, I agree. Netflix has saved a lot of things. Hulu, I just was reading the other day. It's not a show I ever watched, but they picked up uh, the Mindy Project, which is that. Uh, uh, that gal from the office, the Indian lady from the office, uh, Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. They just, they picked up her show because that had gotten dropped from NBC or ABC, or whatever it was on. So Hulu is producing that now. So yeah, I think that these over the top things are giving people more and more of an option for that. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't and I mean, they're original. Completely off topic, but. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Their original programming, too, is just, I mean, it's giving stuff that wouldn't be picked up by networks a chance yeah. and doing really well, too. Like um, House of Cards, their first one, I think, wasn't that their first original programming? I think so, yeah. And just, it's always in the Emmys, you know, getting nominated and stuff, and if not winning. These are And HBO their other programs. Calls, you know, weekly shows or whatever. They're as good as The Sopranos. House of Cards. Um, yeah, Narcos. Yeah. I would put Narcos on par with anything HBO's done. Yeah, uh, Narcos. Yeah, amazing. Narcos was amazing. Daredevil yeah. was fantastic. Daredevil was really good. And there's gonna be a whole new string of stuff this. Um, that's gonna be coming out, which yeah, will be pretty sweet. Yeah, Jessica Jones, November sixth, and Our Man or whatever. <laughs> I can't think of his name right now. But yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Netflix is good. Good for good for entertainment. Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, seriously, like um, ten years ago, who would have thought that that would be as relevant as it is? You know, in the industry. Yeah. And think well, about. Oh, go ahead. I, I sat down and did the math the other day, and this is a little bit off topic of individual good shows, but um, I sat down with my office mate the other day, and I was doing the math because we we work in satellite, um, and for around $40, you can get, basically, outside of live sports, you can get everything that you would get in like an $80 cable or satellite package for about 40 bucks because you get... Netflix for old seasons and old shows. You get Hulu paid for current seasons and current shows. And then now Hulu, like I think I mentioned this before we started recording, but Hulu has that Showtime option. You can Mm -hmm. add in Showtime onto that and still in that $40 range, you can add Showtime and you can get the HBO now, you know, over the, we call it over the top in in our industry, but, you know, outside of cable. Yeah. Um, so all for $40, $40 or 45 yeah. something like that. That's usually about what my cable bill is, and I don't have HBO, and I don't have Showtime. I just have, you know, the America's Top 150 or whatever. So yeah. I, I mean, uh, recently moved, and I dropped cable, and I have not looked back. There's I, As sad as it is to say, and like I said, I, I work in this industry, there's no reason for it at this point. There really isn't. Um, oh, there, God, I miss my sports, sports, though. That's it. But... So sooner or later, you know, if we want to just take one sport, they're gonna NFL is gonna look at DirecTV and say there's no reason that we can't collect our own four hundred dollars a month from people and just offer this over IT. There, there's no reason that they can't. They've already sort of started doing that because you can do it through the PS4 or something like that. You still have to have a cable account, but you don't have to pay the cable people anymore, something like that. It's it's mm. kind of weird and fuzzy. There was a lot of weird rules about it. But sooner or later, NFL's going to wise up and say, we don't need to pay you. We'll collect our own money. And they could even start just paying. A big thing that some of these companies are trying to go to now is is a la carte individual pay-per-view. Um, like if you don't want to pay for NFL Sunday ticket for the whole year, you just want to watch the Lions and the Broncos play. You can buy that game for fifty bucks. You know, so NFL is going to figure this out and go to that. And so then at that point, even live sports is, you know, out the window. Yeah. Yeah, there you and go. It kind of already is. I can get. I think you can get Big Ten Network as a standalone. I think you yep. can pay Big Ten directly. And watch all the Big Ten football games and volleyball games and anything else that you want right over your internet connection, then you have something like, you know, you have your Roku or uh, whatever you want to plug into, you know, the, the new Chromecast that they just announced yesterday. You know, any of that stuff, plug that into your TV and you've got the same experience right on your TV. It's not like you're huddled around a laptop or something, you know. Well, one thing I've really been enjoying is uh, NBC bought the contract for the Premier League about a year, yep. Uh, yep. A year ago. And so you could watch all the games, every single game. We have better access in America yeah. to soccer because legally they can't televise – well, not legally, but the rules are you can't Black televise games stuff, at a certain yeah. time in England because they want people to go see their local clubs right. play. So we can get more games in America than they can in England. Yep. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> if you like soccer. And I do. Soccer is amazing. <laughs> 
speaking of soccer, do you guys think it's cool? We maybe we talked about this. I don't remember. Maybe we talked about. Oh, we talked a little bit about women. I think it's super cool that um, there's a woman on the cover of, of FIFA this year. Yeah, I thought that was a neat neat move on their on their part. Well, we don't have any real male Americans that are particularly recognizable to a broad audience, but because women were so prominent in the World Cup that it was, and you know, sure. it works. Yeah, yeah. It definitely works because there doesn't have to be, you know, there doesn't have to be an American when it comes to FIFA. I mean, you put that Messi on the cover again three years in a row or whatever. And well, but it's, it's two people. people. Into soccer will it's it's Messi that. and then a local person. It's uh, so for the United States, it's Messi and then was it Morgan who's on yeah. there? Yeah. Um, but each country has their own different person. It's Messi ah, okay. and then another person. So ah, okay. in England, it's Messi and um someone else in in mexico it's messing probably chicharito or i'm not sure who would be there yeah, but, okay um it's different people for different countries interesting okay very cool yeah i thought that was pretty neat that they they went that route uh, the one series that i've been watching lately is an anime show uh it's broad name is fate and then it has a couple sub names the first two series were called fate zero and the mm. next one is called fate stay night um, they're a bit graphic. They are TVMA, so there's some blood and stuff, but, uh, they're actually pretty interesting series to watch. So I'd recommend those. I was a little worried when you were talking about anime and graphics. I thought there was going to be tentacles, but all right. <laughs> well, no, okay. no, it's, it's not that kind of a graph. <laughs> so when you handle... say worried, did you really mean excited? <laughs> like, I found another one. It doesn't have to be Fisherman's Wife anymore. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I I um I actually subscribed to Crunchyroll for my anime, mm. and they a, a lot of them uh, don't do the English um sub or, or dub or whatever, but um they're still really good. I I like having all that access. To them. Yeah, definitely. And you can slowly learn Japanese while you watch them. Exactly. <laughs> That was actually when I was in Japanese classes in college. That was how I, I practiced when I was at home, is I would just turn on a, an anime without uh, without dubbing or whatever and just listen and, you know, let that kind of sink in. It helped a lot. Yeah. And the voice acting is probably better on the uh, subtitled ones anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, yeah. That's what they wanted their voice to sound like. And yeah. Speaking of what we're, we're kind of talking about movies and we're talking about uh dubbing over stuff i didn't realize that the original original uh mad max not road warrior but mad max uh they dubbed over all the australian uh actors with american actor voices oh really i just learned that that sounds like something that uh, hollywood would do at that area yeah (laughs) yeah it, and it's still English, but they decided, uh, you know, we don't want Australian voices. Let's throw in some American voices. Yeah, <laughs> Crocodile kind of Dundee must not have been around at the time. I also didn't realize there was a, so the article I was reading was like ten things you didn't know about um, Mad Max. That first one was the highest, most profitable movie until the Blair Witch Project. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it, it lasted from 1970-something until, you know, the, what, mid-90s, whenever Blair Witch came out, because it, it was another one kind of like Blair Witch, where I guess they had, like, no money, and they just, you know, they shot this awesome movie, and 
it wasn't one that ever caught on in America, but it did really well worldwide. And then it really caught on when Road Warrior came out. But yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Throw that out there. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen Mad Max, unfortunately. One of my coworkers was going to lend me the uh, the DVD, but she forgot it. So. It's good. You should check it out if you get a chance to. The, uh, oh, I, I told her if she's going to lend it to me, I definitely would watch it. So yeah. it just yeah. is a matter of access to it. Again, if it comes out on Netflix, watch it in a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I was, looking, <laughs> you know. I was looking for places that I could stream it from, and that's how I came across this article. And nothing streaming until I think that maybe Thunderdome is on some streaming service, but I don't remember where. Yeah, I don't uh, think yeah. there's any Mad Max on Netflix right now. Yeah. Any yeah. of the versions. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing. They're, um, they're good movies. Yeah, they are. Yeah, Amazon Prime has them, I think, but I don't think they're the Prime free ones. I think you still yeah. have to rent them. Yeah. Um, on my side for TV, I just wanted to bring up, remind people that Arrow and The Flash start next week on the CW. And so dude, the Flash was an amazing freshman year. Oh my gosh, probably one of the best stars to a TV series I've ever seen. Huh. Arrow was close, but the Flash was just so good. Um, actually, I don't think there's a lull the whole season of the Flash. There might have been episodes that had parts within the episode that was kind of like eh, but um, but as a, as a whole though, it was just such a good show, man. And the I think part of it that helps is it's a more of a uh, light-hearted show. It's not as dark as like they made the Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but Arrow supposedly this year, they're going in a different direction from the darkness to the more lighthearted too, because it was so successful for the flash. So we'll see how that works out. But, um, but well, and also last year was just so dark. Stephen and Mel at comic con was talking about how, uh, you know, there's like of the entire last se- this last season, there's maybe like 15 minutes where he was happy. Everything else was just pretty, really <laughs> crappy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said, yeah, it'll be going a little bit better for him this season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think they get a whole new base and everything. But um, so just a reminder on those. The two that I wanted to bring up after their premieres in the last couple of weeks, one is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just had a, an amazing premiere last night. Um, that show is just got to be probably one of the most improved shows from a few years ago because they just keep getting better and they, I think they're finding their footing of knowing what people want from the show and delivering it because, um, it was just a great, great premiere and, uh, the potential for what they're doing this year and how it's building up the story for the next phase of Marvel movies is huge. So I'm really excited. Plus the lead character, she's, she's hot, so he can't complain about that. Um, but uh, And then we have the other one that I'm really surprised with, and I really went in not expecting too much, and for some reason, I, maybe it's because I'm somewhat demented, I'm really enjoying Scream Queens. And oh, dude, I want to see that. That looks so It's on my DVR. I really want to watch it, so it's good. Yeah, I, I like it. It's my kind of humor, and it's ridiculous, and they know it's ridiculous, and that's what makes it great. I saw it got bad reviews, so I was really disappointed in that because I really, really want to like that show. And yeah, so. and that's why I was worried about it. But this is the thing is, as a critic, and I've, I've learned this from one of my friends who is a, a huge film guy and I went to school for it and stuff. He looks at things completely different than I do. 
um, mm-hmm. when we watch things. And critics, I could see them not liking this show because they're looking for things that aren't there. Like yeah. it just it isn't made to be for a critic. It's made to be there for people with dark humor, and right. and it is just it's funny. Uh, I, I I laugh. That's good to hear. Yeah, I laugh out loud on that show um, all the time, and just the characters are so over the top, and the the instances and the violence, and it's just I I'm really liking it. last or this week's episode. I think it was last night. Um, was pretty funny, and so yeah, I'm really liking. It. So if you haven't turned tuned into that, and you guys are listening, um, awesome. try give Screen Queens a, a try. You might might enjoy it. But you have to know that you like dark humor because it is, it is well, very dark. And I really like the uh, I like the, the the skinny blonde actress, and I'd have to look up her, her name, but she was in um, the the third season of American Horror Story, or yeah, first, oh. The, American Horror Story Coven. You're right. She she, uh, was the, she was also in the last one too. I I was trying was to remember bitchy, where I recognized her. Yeah, she was the bitchy witch in the the Coven one. I haven't watched uh, Carnival. The Carnival yet, one. So. Yeah, in Carnival, I I remember her. I that that is. Yeah, now I remember where I saw her from. Yeah, yeah she is really good in it. Yeah, but uh, so it's kind of like the main a reason is I wanted to watch that is I saw she was in it. So yeah, it's kind of like a violent, dark humor, Mean Girls. But then, but everybody in the world is just like GTA, where everybody's messed up. <laughs> like, there's no good person there. Like, yeah, there's nobody that's a decent person. Even the decent people are kind of messed up in one way or another. But, uh, um, but yeah, so that, that one and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I definitely highly recommend. The other yeah. shows that have been premiering, I haven't really... Um, I always give new shows like a three episode chance. If they don't give me by three episodes, then I take them off my DVR. And the other one, so many shows are are really slow to begin. And you know, network TV shows they don't have quite as much time. Sometimes when you're given um, like HBO or Netflix shows, you got to give them an entire season. Sometimes. Yeah, like I know everybody in the world loves Daredevil. I've powered through about three episodes of that. And I just don't get it, but I'm going to keep pushing through because I know it's one of those that's got to take off eventually. I was going to say with Daredevil, well, for me, the second episode with the hallway fight scene really grabbed me. Um, But I don't think it really started hitting its stride till around the seventh episode is when it really started kicking in. Yeah. Uh, One show, a really good example of HBO, uh, The Leftovers, that show takes forever, like almost the whole season to really... Get yeah. going. Um, That's a really, really good book. I read that because um, I saw the promos on HBO, and it's like, oh, this looks cool. And so I started reading about it, and I saw that it was based on a book. And mm. so I went and grabbed the book. I didn't know that. It's really good. Um, it's really, really interesting. I, from what I can tell, they changed a lot for the show, but it's it's a really interesting book. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. there was a book. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's very nihilistic and there's no happy ending but it's really good yeah yeah i well, like it speaking of movies that were based on books um hunger games last movie of that is coming out i'm really looking forward yes. to that one yep yeah i'm curious I, how they're gonna do that i don't know anybody that's watched all of the movies and still hasn't read the books maybe dave but <laughs> i have not <laughs> I do have them all on uh, Audible, so I'm going to try to listen to them when I have a chance, but I have not gotten around to doing that yet. 
Yeah, I, I was surprised with how much I liked the books. I thought it was going to be like Twilight, like that kind of story. So I wasn't expecting too much, but I actually really enjoyed them. I, uh, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, along those same lines of that series, and I don't, it, I don't think it did very well, but I actually kind of enjoyed, uh, uh, what's the other one? Not, uh, Divergent. Oh, I Divergent? Kinda, yeah, yeah that was, was decent. Kinda, yeah, yeah. I, did, I watched that on HBO. It wasn't super flashy movie, but it was, it was pretty good. I enjoyed they had it. Some, yeah, they had some cool, uh, yeah, cool, the way they did the universe and the, the mind yeah, the world, thing I that they did. That's what kind of drew me in, is I think the world was neat. Yeah, uh, they didn't try to overscope it, and yeah, I thought it was it was pretty good. You know, the biggest problem that I have with the Hunger Games is how have you gotten an entire country to buy into your bullshit slavery? <laughs> yeah, um, like you people just make coal and you people just make wood. It's very elementary, and like no one would like whoever came up with the con- the writer or whatever the author for that that came up with the concept of these people economy is really like basic and elementary and it's like how would this work the nice thing in the divergent series is they only tried to make this work with one city instead of an entire country mm-hmm. and you know so i don't know i just how uh, your games has always felt it's just awful well wasn't part of the deal why that worked was because they were so war weary that yeah. people just kind of was well, like I mean, the the economy in general wouldn't work, you know. Whether you yeah. you could get no, people to right. buy into being slaves, sure, but <laughs> you know, okay, only this part of the country makes coal, and you know, I don't know, it, just, it seemed weird. Well, it's a lot. the The geographic area is a lot smaller. I think it is set somewhere in like the Colorado Rockies. I think that's the frame of reference for it. Um, I always wondered where it took place. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't quote me on that 100%, country. but I'm pretty sure that there's some mention of something like that in the books or in something that I read. Um, but the the whole reason for the Hunger Games is because... Um, well, I read them. I understand the reason oh, okay. for them. I just didn't like it. I thought it was really basic <laughs> oh, okay. and shitty I writing. I thought it was awful, awful writing, but that was just <laughs> me. It was, yeah. I'm not a good enough writer or director or anything, so I, I barely critique films or TV shows or books when I read them. I just go by, if I enjoyed it and it got me through the end with a smile on my face, yeah. then boom, recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. This is like, the ending and the, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, once the movie comes out, we'll have people. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see how how it ends. I think all the actors and I think the movies are super well done. It's just not the thing. But yeah, yeah. You know, Jennifer Lawrence is obviously a megastar, and uh, you know everybody else in that movie is great. Uh, I thought Woody Harrelson played that character really well. Oh mm-hmm. my word! Yeah. I was a huge Woody Harrelson fan back in the day. And he disappeared. And when he came back for the Hunger Games, I loved his portrayal. Yeah, yeah, he did really good. He was very cool. Yeah, Hunger Games did kind of reignite his career, huh? Yeah, I was really. I'm. I'm. I haven't been a Woody Harrelson fan for a long time, and I was really not excited to to see him in the movie. And he really impressed me. Um, Lenny Kravitz actually did surprisingly yeah. well. Lenny Kravitz was really cool in that. 
did really good at dying. <laughs> I was just going to say, spoiler alert, it's sad that he dies. Well, you know, he is a black guy in a movie. It's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> he went there. Also, how do, you control, how do you control the little parachute things? There's no fan, and it just went right to her. WTF, how's that work? I want to know how the little parachute thing works. Again, it's a, this is engineering me. It's like, no, you couldn't make that work. It's, it's a set. It's a set environment that they created. So the physics, they just put in the the calculations in the computer, and then it just. Yeah, but does you know what? Thing. Those I don't don't those come out in the end too. I thought that you had little parachute things in the end of that too, in a non-controlled environment. There is a scene on one of the commercials where a bunch of parachutes are coming down over what looks like just open areas in the city. Yeah, in the book. Oh, oh yeah. In the city too. And gotcha, that's that right. is actually, uh, how can I explain it without spoiling it? That's not for the, that's not the people from the city dropping those. That's the resistance dropping. Well, no, I get that. But the, the no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it is the city dropping those, and I think the way it's described in the book, it was like an airdrop. No, and at uh, that point, no, there was no sorry. directional control to it. I. I have the end totally mixed up at this point. It's been yeah. so long since I've read the books. It's not important. It's so one I don't of those know. nitpicky things. Again, it's the engineer in me. It's like, wait, no. How does that work? So, yeah, Hunger Games are coming out. Looking forward to that. Uh, the one that my wife is looking forward to is the new Peter Pan movie. Oh, my God, that looks so cool. His origin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That looks amazing. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of oh, mixing that. Dave. It looks like it could be really good or could be really bad. And I'm hoping for the really good, but I've, yeah, I, I'm yeah, just... I've enjoyed all of those overly stylized um, retreads of some of those. Like I loved Alice. I really liked the uh, James Franco Wizard of Oz movie. Yeah, that was pretty good. I've enjoyed all of those, and to me, Pan looks exactly the same. It looks like an overstylized retelling of a children's story. You know. Like extra fantastical. I don't. I, you know. It looks. Uh, Dan, you mentioned earlier some stuff about um, guy from Flash and. Uh... Oh, yeah. At um, Salt Lake Comic Con, Robbie Amell expressed uh, his idea and interest in doing a uh, low budget, made for TV um, Batman Beyond movie. And uh, I was just thinking, because I've always thought Batman Beyond was a great cartoon. It's, for me, it was right up there with the Batman animated series. They just did a really solid job with it. And it's actually a continuation of that Batman. So um, so the Batman from the animated series is old, and he's training this kid how to become a Batman with like a futuristic, more Iron Man type suit. Um, and uh, it's pretty sweet. Really good series. It does sound really interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he he would actually Robbie Amell is Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell is Arrow on Arrow, and uh, he would actually make a really good. His name is Terry McGinnis. Make a really good Batman Beyond uh, in a live action movie. But his idea was instead of going futuristic and shiny and clean and high budget, is doing a lo-fi, gritty. Um, Batman Beyond, and doing it for TV, 
Um, and just get the ideas flowing. I think I think it could be really cool. But um, Batman Beyond is like one of those things where uh, it's almost like uh, Batman versus Superman. It's that that idea could always be there, but it's just a matter of doing it at the right time and doing it right. Yeah, definitely. But if you haven't watched the cartoon, Batman Beyond, you guys definitely need to watch the cartoon. It's really good. I actually started, started watching a good. couple episodes with my son. He liked it. We didn't never okay. finish the series, but... Yeah, I don't know if they're on Netflix or not. They were. They I were. They still okay. are. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some good stuff. But, but that would be cool to see him do that. And CW is, you know, committed to the DC universe. So it would be smart for them to, to do that. And it would be even cool to see him do a TV series. But Batman's such a huge property that I really don't know if with Batman versus Superman and all their Batman movie films that they have planned, if they even want Batman anywhere near the TV um the TV area. I sure hope so, because I do think that that sounds like a great series. Well, and it seems like DC is taking a little bit different direction than Marvel, because Marvel, everything's connected. It's one universe. Yeah. Whereas in DC, each show can sort of be its own standalone. Yep. And so they really could, and I know Stephen Amell was saying if he could bring one person to his show, at least even for an episode, it would be... Batman or Bruce Wayne. Mm. Um, I mean, and, and I think a lot of people would go for that, but at the same time, you almost don't want to beat the same drum too much. Yeah. Because everybody's going to want Batman. Yeah, and, but that's uh, how why you... this uh, Beyond version would be such a, a good change of pace because it's not Batman anymore. It's, 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 yeah, it's not Bruce guy. Wayne. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's not Bruce Wayne anymore. You're right. Yeah, I was disappointed. Speaking of Arrow, I was just reading in an article the other day that they CBS isn't going to allow a crossover with uh, Supergirl. Yeah, that, that was too bad. That was I was wondering when Supergirl was going to come out. Supergirl, yeah. CBS the looks like they're the doing DC a terrible room. job. Yeah, CBS looks like they're doing an absolutely terrible job with everything that has to do with Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah, the the actress doesn't look right. Um, the show doesn't look like it's going on a good direction. Yeah, I don't know. That's disappointing. Oh my word! What was that Facebook picture? Who is it? The Red Tornado. Oh. He looked like a bad <laughs> Halloween costume. Yeah, seriously. seriously. Cosplayers could build better, better than that. Cosplayers have built better than that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, and and the the opening episode. My goodness, they. They rushed it at a pace faster than a movie, and they it's a TV show. You have all season to do some of this stuff. And, oh, it was so... Uh, it, I wanted it to be good. And it, had, it does have potential, but judging by what they put out there, they're going to take that potential and throw it in the garbage disposal, then urinate and defecate on it. It's just... <laughs> Shameless plug for my review that I put on the <laughs> game website. That's pretty yeah. much exactly what I said. That they had the whole season for her to become Supergirl. They do it in six minutes. <laughs> yeah. Literally six minutes. Yeah. I wonder what the idea behind doing that is. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't watched it yet. So, you know, I'm sure you guys are right. It's probably ham-handed and terribly done. I don't necessarily mind the um, like getting to that fast as a concept. Maybe they handled it poorly. 
I hate the, uh, like, I, I know Spider-Man's story. I don't need to watch it again. Just give me a Spider-Man, you know, I don't need his backstory. I know it. Just give me a cool Spider-Man movie. I hate going back to the first Tobey Maguire movie. And then it bothered me that we had to reboot the entire series just because yeah, we and he had a new origin actors. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We don't need to do that. Just switch the actor and start Spider-Man over again. I understand his backstory. Yeah. Well, they're claiming the that they the won't be doing a backstory. They, they're claiming they won't be doing a new backstory. Well, I guess I'm just, you know, more likening that to like, for me, I don't need Supergirl's backstory. Give me six minutes and then have her start kicking some ass. And, but, it, you know, it's, it probably, they probably handled it poorly, you know? So I don't know. <laughs> I'm okay well, with the concept. That's the thing not is... okay with the execution, is what I'm saying. Okay, I can understand that. Um, my, well, my problem is that she. Of all the new characters, she could still use a bit more of a backstory. Because while people know who Supergirl is, they don't really know that much about her. They don't know why she was sent to Earth. Um, you know, they don't necessarily know why she's living in a different city as Superman and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, but even if they didn't, even if they wanted to make the rush. I'm I'm going to be sort of careful with spoilers, but not too careful because it's the first half of the pilot episode, and so you know, screw spoilers because it's the first half of the pilot episode. You can um, see her entire training montage online in the stuff that CBS already released. <laughs> just saying. Um, if they wanted to have her basically, you know, jump to being a superheroine, they could have at least assume that she knew how to do something before the episode began, but literally she has completely abandoned everything to do with Krypton. She's just a human, basically. She doesn't have... She does 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 not... Now, she has the powers, but they're completely latent because she has not used them in years. Doesn't even know how to use them. And so, if you're going to make the skip to being uber-powered, you should start with, well, she's been practicing all this time. She's been flying all this time. She's been fighting all this time. Maybe right. not against big people, but that's not where they go. Hmm. She was basically a secretary, and that's all she's done. <laughs> yep, yeah, pretty much. Speaking of, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about movies and semi-obscuring supergirls, maybe not obscure, but semi-obscure ends of the comic world. I am ridiculously excited for Suicide Squad. Like, I, it's another one where they could make that movie and make no other movies after that. <laughs> I, I agree with wait you. I'm excited movie. for that one. Because, partially because, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with the Arrow. Arrow got really, really dark. I want a gritty movie. I want a dark movie. But I'm tired of it in my Batmans, in my Spider-Mans. Spider-Man especially. Batman can be gritty and dark because that's some of his comics, you know, Frank Miller and things like that were gritty and dark. Spider-Man is not gritty and dark. Spider-Man is goofy and silly and has dumb one-liners. I don't yeah. need my Spider-Man, you know, questioning his, you know, his life and morality constantly. I want that to be silly. So I'm, I am excited for Suicide Squad because that's where that sort of thing belongs. It's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of villains that you're recruited to help you because they are villains. And that's where you can have gritty and dark. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. 
and it looks like they got really cool um, actors to play everybody, fairly good fitting actors to play everybody. Harley Quinn looks amazing. I like mm-hmm. that they just did, didn't just go auto slutty with her. You know, she just looks like, yeah. you know, kind of a, you know, a street chick or whatever. And, you know, so that she looks really cool. Jared Leto looks amazing. Um, yep. I think he, you know, he, he had those, he had such big shoes to fill um, yeah. from Heath Ledger. And I, I like that he took it in a different direction, but a similar direction, you know, for the yeah. Joker. Not, not completely abandoned it, but he put his own spin on that. Because Heath Ledger's, Ledger's Joker was amazing. But, yeah. Anyways. Yep. That's my two cents on what's upcoming and cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. And we shall see you all next week. Yep. Yay! Hooray!